Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The purge has begun. As many of you know, I mentioned this uh, on Twitter and the other day, we had two videos taken down from YouTube. One was a, a, a clip about Matt Walsh's response to a, an employee that was terminated. The other was the entire episode we had recently done with Brandon Strzok. We don't know exactly why it was taken down. I wasn't uh, yet given a reason, or at least uh, I, I don't know, maybe maybe got lost in the junk mail, but they haven't said anything to me other than it's been removed and you will not receive a strike. We're hearing that a bunch of other people have experienced something similar. Uh, Jeremy Boring of the Daily Wire said that uh, Matt Walsh had been demonetized, so it looks like the purge hath begun, and it may have something to do with transgender ideology, the Bud Light controversy, and Dylan Mulvaney. So we'll talk about that. The quartering and Sidney Watson had a video, video removed. And interestingly enough, the video that the quartering had removed, this is Jeremy Hambly, apparently was criticizing Matt Walsh for being too mean to Dylan Mulvaney. So I'll show you his tweets and then we'll talk about that censorship. So it's a it's a fairly crazy day in terms of uh, that ongoing censorship. But uh, before we get started, my friends, head over to castbrew.com. We are our own sponsors. That's right. Go to castbrew, pick up castbrew coffee. Uh, will ship by May 5th. It's a pre-order. Cast Brew Coffee is our company. You can get your Rise with Roberto Jr. breakfast blend, your Appalachian Nights, as well as Colombian or French roast. If you'd like to support the show, you can just uh, buy from us when you want to get your coffee. Once we launch formally, we're going to create a subscription service so you can just, you know, regularly get your coffee delivered and all that stuff. And a bunch of other cool stuff pertaining to the launching of a physical coffee shop. We are doing, uh, um, well, I'll keep it a little vague because I don't want to say too much, but construction and uh, fitting and plumbing work is, is is currently underway. And so we're hoping that will be set up soon. But also become a member at TimCast.com by clicking join us. Go to TimCast.com, sign up, support our work directly, and you'll get access to the Discord server where you can hang out with like-minded individuals and uh, talk with them about uh, life and stuff. If you've been a member for at least six months or you sign up at 25 bucks, you can actually call into the members-only uncensored show Monday through Thursday at 11 p.m., submit questions, and potentially be one of our regular callers that we have during that segment. It's really exciting, good fun. So smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends. Joining us tonight to talk about this and so much more is Liz Wheeler. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Who are you? What do you do? Yeah, my name is Liz Wheeler. I host The Liz Wheeler Show. Uh, I used to work in cable news, but now I own a media company. I host a podcast that you can find at LizWheeler.com or anywhere that you listen to your pods or watch your pods. A little censored on YouTube right now, just like the rest of us. You can go to Rumble.com slash Liz Wheeler. Um, you had a video taken down as well. Yeah, yeah, same topic, same topic. Yep. We, had, we had two. I think this happened not last night, but the night before. Same to us. Um, related to Nashville and related to related to the the Dylan stuff. Um, don't want to be too specific here. <laughs> um, I mean, we're going to talk about it. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 not surprising. Right. Yeah. We we try to be pretty careful on YouTube, honestly, because we want to be there. We want to be present on YouTube, but um, they're going to find a way. It's actually funny. So our channel had gotten demonetized maybe six months ago for similar stuff. And we had finally been able to our, our strikes had run out and we finally been able to reapply for uh, monetization. And they had told us when we reapplied, like, okay, we'll evaluate you within a month. And it was literally like the midnight hour. It was like the day that we 
that we were able that that month was up so we were going to get our our monetization back and it was that day that they they took those videos down and gave us a strike wow. so i don't think it's a coincidence but it is what it is you expect this we'd like to use the platform but it's not we don't rely on it from a business model yeah all right we'll talk about that thanks for hanging out yeah. we got hannah claire brimelow hi i'm hannah claire brimelow i'm a writer for timcast.com and i'm ian crossland very happy to be here good to see you liz Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Kellen. Good to be here. Uh, happy Friday. Let's nice mustache, time. dude. Nice mustache. <laughs> mustache. Like I think it. the lights are a little bright. You want to... Well, I'll start the segment. You want to dim the lights just a you teeny bit as we do this? All right, everybody. We got this first story here from uh, The Quartering. This is Jeremy Hambly, and I'll show you a few of these uh, stories. Jeremy tweeted six hours ago, this is some bull-ish. It says, the video has been removed for violating YouTube's policy on harassment and bullying. He says, this is an escalation of something I've been noticing in analytics. This is why the Publica now was started. I'll make a video now, but consider joining today. And then he says, it was a video where I defended Dylan Mulvaney, much to the chagrin of many, for how mean Matt Walsh was to him. I now regret that. And then we have uh, this from Sydney Watson. It says, YouTube has deleted an entire video from the quartering and my community notes channel for bullying and harassment. We have to assume it's because we discussed Dylan Mulvaney. This is exactly why we created the Publica now and why we are so appreciative of everyone who has signed up as a member to support the effort, gender ideology is a scourge. It's asinine. We can't call it out. So I can only imagine this will continue to get worse in terms of the purge. And uh, Liz, you, you were just mentioning you had videos taken down as well. Yeah, yeah, I did. And it was about these same topics. Like I said, I'm not surprised here. I don't think any of us think of ourselves as victims here. But it is quite something to see the censorship and what discussion the left and these 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 corporate overlords don't want us to be having. Does it ever resemble what you experienced working in cable? You said you had a cable TV TV show, right? I did. No, it's 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 pretty different. In a, in a cable news setting, I had a, actually a tremendous amount of freedom. Didn't really have restrictions on what I could say. It was before. It was largely before a lot of the transgender conversations. It's funny, actually, a little detour here. There was a video of mine that that went viral. It was from five or six years ago. And I was talking about, like, what's the limiting principle? It's the one Tommy Lee posted. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I was talking about, well, what's the limiting principle on transgender? This video went pretty viral, even though it was from a few years ago. And I remember the day that I made that because the crew that day were like, OK, that's a little hyperbolic, don't you think? And it's all happening now. Um, but at the time, there wasn't the censorship because the dissent against it was just not quite, hadn't quite ramped up, hadn't built up to the point that we're at now. Um, so very different, very different to be independent. It's fun to be independent. It's fun to own your own company and to build your own, to build your own thing. It does make it trickier from a business aspect when you have to dodge these kind of bullets. But I care less about the business aspect of it and more about like the mission at part of it. We talk about this stuff because we care about these people, right? Not necessarily, right. not because it's good clicks. I think this may have something to do with Anheuser-Busch, the, yeah. uh, the removal of the content. And it's a convenient scapegoat for YouTube to go after um, like harassment and bullying. Because uh, it, it, it's clearly related to Matt Walsh, Dylan Mulvaney. These are, these are some of the, uh, the, the issues surrounding the, uh, the, the video that Matt Walsh, uh, which triggered it all, was when he was critical of Dylan Mulvaney, which resulted in people responding, saying, you maybe pushed it too far, Matt, you're a little mean. But that's all he was. He was mean to a person. And I think the issue is, well, let me put it this way. YouTube didn't say anything. This story came and went. This was months ago. The story came and went. But only now that the Anheuser-Busch hit has extended into now, I I think we're going to be entering soon a fourth week. This is the end of, I think, the third week of Anheuser-Busch boycott getting worse. New reporting that their sales are continuing to drop. 
they're, they've started doing, I've started getting ads from Budweiser for the oh, first time yeah. ever. And so what I think is happening is my personal opinion here is that Anheuser-Busch contacted YouTube and said, it's your fault. And if you don't take this down, we will stop advertising with you. YouTube then says, okay, what do we do? They're a big advertiser. This is the biggest beer brand in the world. Let's start removing these videos. I'm willing to bet Anheuser-Busch went to YouTube a while ago. And again, just my personal opinion. I don't have any insider information or anything like that. I bet they went to YouTube and said, we spend too much money on your platform to have to deal with all of these channels using that platform to hurt us. So we're going to stop buying from you. It probably took YouTube a little while to come up with a plan. So this, this to me, I think Anheuser-Busch probably went to YouTube a week and a half ago saying, look at all these videos. We're spending X dollars, but all these videos keep coming out. So YouTube probably came with a policy. They probably had a discussion where they said, look, if we ban these videos and give strikes, we're going to lose way more money. This, the, the, the videos don't break the rules. You know how I know they don't break the rules? YouTube did not give strikes to any of these channels. That's very weird. That's the first time I've heard of that. So when we got two videos taken down, they say, we're just removing them, but you're not getting a strike. We got a strike, I think. You got a strike? Yeah, we got a strike. So uh, I think Jeremy said he didn't get a strike either, right? I don't know. That they just removed it? Let, oh, actually. I'm going to I'm gonna double check, but I'm pretty sure we got a strike. Look, look, look. Here's, here's what Sydney Watson posted. It says, we want to let you know our team reviewed your content and we think it violates our harassment policy. We know you may not have realized it was a violation of our policy, so we're not applying a strike to your channel. What that says to me, again, in my personal opinion, is that they know it doesn't really break the rules. And if they apply a strike, they will lose more yeah, money. The verbiage is we think you violated it. Like it should just say if we you, think you, it violates our we rules. We think it did, we think, but we, we don't think know. You didn't it's, know. A, it's a legal protection. Yeah, yeah I understand. Our, mine says we think. I'm looking it up right now. It says we think it violates. So we're going to protect you. But you're not you. getting a strike? No, we did get a strike. It says we think it's. The notice, so the email that I got, that's what I have a copy of right here. Can you uh, read that paragraph? Yeah, it says our team has reviewed your content. And unfortunately, we think it violates our hate speech policy. We removed the following content from YouTube. We got two emails. Oh, no, my, my team just texted me. We definitely got a strike. Oh, wow. But they're um, saying hate speech in yours. And yeah, and then they, right. defi they defined one. hate speech. And they said we got an email that said exactly the phrase that I used that they consider to be hate speech. Well, don't Probably say yeah, it. Don't I'm not going to. Well, why <laughs> is yours hate speech and this one is harassment? Is my well, question. different things were said. But, he, but here's and by the way, it's not hate speech. Like what well, what's a bad term these days? Well, so it's really freaky. This is important yeah. though. Here's here's why I think this. YouTube probably sat down and said, if we apply a strike to Timcast IRL, how much money do we lose? All of it. We would it, leave well, the network. I mean, it's, I would. It's, it's not. It's not just the advertising. It's not just the super chats. Mm. It's that the consistently highest viewed. Uh, like nightly show on YouTube will immediately switch to Rumble. So we're going to lose long-term revenue. We're going to lose market share. We're going to lose direct advertising. What can we do? Budweiser, Anheuser-Busch is furious and we're going to lose their ads. How about we just take those videos down from all these channels and then just sweep it under the rug and don't apply the strikes where we, where, where we can avoid applying strikes. If you give a live show a strike, there's no live show. So that's why I think they're like, okay, let's just take them down and, and not do a strike because we want to make money. This says to me strictly about advertising, and I think Anheuser-Busch behind the scenes is screaming, but they know they can't say things publicly. They have dumped money into this ad about this, this Clydesdale running through yeah. the streets or whatever, and it's because they did this after 9-11, and everybody loved it. The Clydesdale after 9-11 was a big deal. They're trying to do it again. They are desperate. Their sales are apparently down like 10% in the first two days of the boycott. So we have not yet gotten the data from Anheuser-Busch on the past couple of weeks, but I bet it's so bad 
they went to YouTube and said, why should we advertise with you when you keep publishing the smears against us? Mm-hmm. When you're navigating these conversations, in my experience, like uh, transgenderism, for instance, which is a, it's a very important conversation for everybody, people that are transgender, that aren't transgender, people, we need to communicate and find some common ground. There's, you go the route of talking, you know, systemically about transgenderism and what, you know, body dysmorphia and things like that. Then there's, that's one path. Then the other path is you talk about sexualizing children, which is a completely different conversation. You could be a straight person that's doing it, a transgender person that's doing it. That's another conversation when children are involved. Then there's a third part of it, which is targeting people. Like how Dylan got his name brought up. And I'm not, I, I like, I mean, whatever. I like, you know, Dylan, you know, I like it. But when, when people bring up specific people over and over again, then it starts to be like dogpiling and they're like, you consider harassment, yeah, I but guess. I'm sorry. You can, can you harass the president by criticizing things they do publicly? Mm-hmm. It's also not an individual. I mean, obviously, Dylan is an individual person, but he's also a very, very influential um, activist, political activist. And public figure, right? I mean, there's certain... Not just public figure, but an actual political activist who went to the White House to try to get policy passed about what states... Right, but what I'm saying is libel law is different for public figures than it is for private citizens. So, you know, I think because we have access to the internet and potentially going viral basically in our pocket at all times with our phones, people forget that you are electing to become a a public figure and therefore you are losing some of your legal protections. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Squeaky wheel gets the grease, but I think I think this is more Anheuser-Busch. And, and the evidence of that is there's been conversation around Dylan Mulvaney who has 11 million followers for a very long time, over a year. That's the, you know, we're, we're on uh, day, year two of the Days of Girlhood saga that Dylan Mulvaney has produced. YouTube didn't care. Until Anheuser-Busch, a major advertiser, started getting hit in the market share and losing sales. So it, 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 there, there actually is a reasonable business, like capitalist response. Anheuser-Busch might have just been like, we're not telling you, YouTube. Like they might have been like, YouTube, we're not telling you to do anything. We're just pointing out there's really no reason for us to advertise on your platform. Everybody hates us there. So bye. It could be more than InBev because Dylan has uh, marketing sponsorships with lots of different companies. Crest, uh, CeraVe, EOS. Nobody, like, nobody they may boycotted have all, those. They may have, but, but his agent may have gone to all his people and be like, let's do a combined uh, communication with YouTube that we will all leave the network. Like Crest would leave, Budweiser yeah. would leave. And yeah. so YouTube's like, yeah. well, what choice? Counter, counter, it makes me wonder who is uh, backing his, his legal defense fund, right? Because I can imagine just like Anheuser-Busch would go after YouTube, I assume Dylan also has a legal team that's trying to get and as also, much out of it as possible. Don't forget about the corporate equality index. You know, that that organization that's from the human rights campaign that goes around. It's it's part of like the ESG metrics, but it's specifically focused on ranking whether these big corporations are LGBTQ friendly, quote unquote, places to work. And they send representatives to these corporations to make sure not just not just for uh, privileges or actual workplace environment, but whether these corporations are doing advertising campaigns that are specifically, quote unquote, inclusive of transgender people. So I think that there's a lot of power right now behind um, behind making sure that Anheuser-Busch doesn't 
back down, especially as they're realizing that this boycott is real. A lot of conservative boycotts have not been real. Mm -hmm. And as Bush apologizes. Yes, yes, because maybe, I mean, I don't think they probably would have, but I think that they underestimated the strength of this boycott because a lot of conservative boycotts in the past have been like fleeting. They haven't been incredibly effective. Um, Because a lot of people don't agree, but this one's very effective. But it it goes beyond this because, uh, and I'll throw it to Jesse Kelly. I I cited him several times. He said it's the first time his neighbors asked him about politics. Yeah. And I've I've actually heard, surprisingly, you try to talk to people about politics. You know how it goes. And they're going to be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Now I'm I'm out and people are like, oh, that Bud Light thing. And they they know about it. Mm -hmm. Check this out. It gets worse. We got the story from the Daily Mail. Joe Rogan slams Bud Light's pro-America commercial released after partnership with Dylan Mulvaney. Uh, after it backfired, and Warren's firm, we don't know who you really are. He said, what did he say? We don't know who you really are. Here's another quote in here. I want to make sure I, I read it. They bury it. He says, uh, commenting, it's like the effing dumbest pro-America rah-rah. Like, we don't know who you really are now. It's so stupid and cliche. It hurts my feelings. It's so dumb. This is a company in deep-ish. Woo-hoo-hoo. That was great. That was from the, the episode biggest, with Jim Brewer. The biggest podcast in the world. And Joe Rogan, at first, was like, oh, who cares about this? And then Budweiser played this stupid, Anheuser-Busch played this stupid play, and then Joe was like, what are you doing? Yeah, he actually said it would be way funnier if in the middle of the Clydesdale running and everything that Dylan came out and like was like, hey, and that, like, that would have been amazing. That would have been hilarious. They needed to either shut up or like yeah. they could double down, shut up or apologize, but they're doing this weird... Let's try and pander the people who are currently really angry with us. It's showing how much they're in chaos, right? Like people are saying Dylan Mulvaney's been dark for two weeks, hasn't posted anything. Like that's a very normal PR strategy. Just yep. say nothing until it dies. And Anheuser-Busch, Budweiser, they're like it's not, the worst of all of them. And this is why I think YouTube is starting to knock videos down. Because when the PR 101 doesn't work, you go brute force. Yeah. They go to YouTube and say, ban them or else. And YouTube is like, let's start using force against these people and start striking them if they have conversations we don't like. Man. I found it insulting. Like, I would consider myself in the demographic that would buy Bud Light. I don't I don't drink it myself or like my husband would. Right. And when I saw this pro-American ad, I thought, well, that's a beautiful cinematic, like artistic piece of work. Right. Like, who doesn't feel kind of the raw, raw American seeing an ad like that? And afterward, I was like, how dare they try to pander to me? How dare they try to pacify me with that ad? Don't pretend to hold these views when you've told when you've shown us what you really what you really think of us and what you really want for our country with a much larger partnership with someone whose ideology is very much opposed yeah. to, you know, these these traditional values that you're putting in this ad. I it's missing like the the self like knowledge. It, it, you need to see these companies self be self-aware if you want to for them to buy their products and trust them. Like, don't just yeah. pretend like it didn't happen and it, then do a binary opposite. Thing. It's in some ways more insulting, right? Because yeah. they're taking this moment that was very powerful back in the day and saying, like, we'll just throw it out here because that'll make you guys shut up. Like, and I'll that you, will make you guys comply with what we want. The whole thing. I don't care if Dylan has a beer ad. I fine. A 21 year old actor wants to sell beer. Go for it. But he, a month and a half ago, he was wearing a little girl's dress called Eloise, this girl and pretending to be a little girl. And then a month later was selling beer. I'm like, that's where I'm starting yeah, to but, be. It, it, right when you, when you sell to kids because that's like little kids dylan like, mulvaney's audience is so again the data we know for sure tiktok audience according <clears throat> to various reports is on average below 21 which could mean 19 or 20 still not of legal drinking age and you can make arguments about college i personally think the drinking age should be 18 because you're an adult and the government shouldn't set arbitrary standards like that but uh i'm not okay with the targeting of children to drink alcohol when you consider that dylan mulvaney's audience is probably much younger than that Dylan Mulvaney's audience is probably not 20 years old, mm-hmm. especially not 21. Dylan Mulvaney's audience, it's TikTok. It's going to be closer to 14, 15. 
That's just my opinion. And I mean, they, you're saying that they knew what they were doing. They knew it would create a no, firestorm no. like this. No, no, no. They no. want to target no, young drinkers, according to the marketing. The the VP. VP said we need like, I'll just put it this way: the left response from personalities was that they need to target younger people to get a new drinking audience. Oh, and so they, they don't want to be your dad's beer. They want to be your teenage daughter's beer. Right. So they're going after people who aren't. I mean, this is cigarettes all over again. Yeah. Cigarettes, get them while they're young, get them hooked for life. And so they're like, drink beer, kids. And it's like, no, don't do that. Don't advertise alcohol to children. Your, your, your demographic should be adults. There, there's a Bud Light commercial with Miles Teller or whatever. And it's like him and his wife on hold. And it's kind of goofy, but it's targeting adults who are yeah. in their living room mm -hmm. and they're waiting for some adultly thing, clearly intended to target someone who's in their mid to late 20s or early 20s. And I'm like, that's fine. You know, he, he, he grabs two Bud lights, Bud lights out of the fridge and he cracks them and then he dances over and they're dancing to on hold music or whatever. And I'm like, sure, fine. Whatever. But the sickening reality, man, is that college students have probably made Budweiser so much money from underage drinking. But but hold and, on. And everyone knows it. And people are like, well, we can't say it out loud because it's illegal to sell to them under 21. But the drinking age should be 18. Mm -hmm. But it's so hard on the brain. But I agree. I think drinking's bad. But I'm also not about to tell people like how to live their lives. And if you and can enlist in the military, you should be able to drink a beer. Seriously. Like, and, and, and what's happened with the drinking age is that there's actually been a lot of teenagers who are at college, 19, 20 years old, of legal age to, to enter the contracts and join the military. They get drunk and then they don't call paramedics because they're like, uh oh, we'll oh get in that trouble. happened to a girl yeah. I knew. She and had alcohol poisoning. Yeah. Actually, we she did get taken to the hospital, thank God, and she survived. There are campuses that have specific, like, if you call us, you will not get in trouble rules because this is such a problem. There was a huge coalition of college presidents led by the president of Dartmouth saying, binge drinking is such a problem we need to lower the drinking age because you need to be with your parents at home when you're first being introduced to alcohol and then you learn to drink responsibly as opposed to this culture that's like i need to get wasted before i go to the bar because i may not be able to drink again yep. and i want to be that's what they do up. in europe in yeah europe, but and the europe, drinking age is like a lot lower in europe no that's what i mean that's yeah. what i mean like the drinking age is lower and it's not it's graduated they'll say yeah like, beer like, at this age hard liquor at this yeah, age. Or like a little watered down wine mm -hmm. at, at a special occasion it's not quite so um like off limits so yeah people don't and crave it well quite we, so we're we like it's it's not a one-on-one -on -one correlation but kids are allowed to have wine in church not like you're yeah. guzzling well, it, but in Texas, you can drink uh, at the age of 16 if your parent is present. Yeah, that's right. in Wisconsin, yeah. too, I think. There are a couple states yeah. that have that culture where, again, like if you are at a restaurant with your parent, you might be able to get a drink. I don't know the legality me, of all of it, but we create a culture that teaches people to drink responsibly as opposed to see it as a substance that you're not going to be able to get. So you might as well basically kill yourself. This, this, this is a this is a good one. We should read this. It says uh, an opinion piece in uh, published in Bloomberg last week described the move by Bud Light as setting a new low in corporate courage. Quote, kicking a political hornet's nest for clicks and giggles before running away is no way to elevate a brand or promote a cause, wrote Ben Schlott, the publication's advertising and brands columnist. Like, I think the important thing to point out is that y'all actually had Joe Rogan the first week. Then you doubled down in this weird way, and now Joe Rogan is... He's in the fray. It's, and he's like, okay, this is really stupid now. They let some young activist marketing VP make the weird, you know, sell the beer to Dylan, sell the beer to his audience. Uh, and then they realize, oops. And then probably what happened was like the CEO of the company's like, we're doing what we used to do. Make, get the horse. We got to open the stable, get the they horse. They should have just come out and been like, 
hey, we're sorry for sponsoring this influencer. We weren't aware that it would trigger such a divisive reaction. We won't we, we won't do it again. Or lean into it so hard. And I mean, you know, one way or the other. But <laughs> did yeah. you see that? Well. Did you see the CEO statement, though, yeah. right after? I think that, that's what primed me for being like insulted by the video is he released this statement and he's like, we didn't mean to step into such a controversial issue. And I was like, do you live under a rock? Like, do you not realize that that choosing this political activist based on the identity is going to spark an enormous, wow. an enormous, the enormous controversy? And I was like, you, you had to know. I don't believe the, I don't believe the reports that say that. Oh, this was a rogue employee or this wasn't approved. Like, no, someone in a decision making power at a corporation like that knew about this. I, I say it like this: it would be no different politically if they sponsored Alex Jones. It's not that Dylan Mulvaney is is just trans. Some people don't like, uh, or I don't think Dylan Mulvaney actually is trans. I think Dylan Mulvaney is actually insulting and hurting trans people, but that's a separate issue. If they, if, if Dylan Mulvaney is a hyper-polarizing figure who is either despised or beloved, Alex Jones, very similar, absolutely despised by the left, beloved by the right. Bud Light probably shouldn't be entering the fray in politics to this degree with these kinds of personalities. And I really... Th- I, I agree. I think they knew exactly what was going to happen. It's possible that some people didn't, which is equally well, well, as freaky to me. But what I mean is, I don't think they expected this level of chaos. No, yeah, no way. I think they, they thought they were going to get a ton of attention. Yep. And right. They, they could realize. stop it in a second, though. This I was saying this. I was saying this on my show the other day. I said they underestimate how forgiving conservatives are. Because we are, we're not the ones that engage in cancel culture, right? We just want, we just, in this case, don't want to vote with our money. We're not saying, oh, we're going to write you off for life. If they came out and said, hey, please forgive us. We're sorry. We won't do this again. We realize that, that it's not in alignment with what our values have been and what your values are. Um, then every, we would all be like, oh, okay, no problem. Well, like, we actually forgive you if you, if you truly repent. But the fact that their CEO was just like, we didn't know that we were being this but way. They, but I, 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 I want to clarify that. People on the culture war right, post-liberals, libertarian, et cetera, absolutely should boycott companies and refuse to, to partake in their products. That's not cancel culture. I agree. Cancel culture is when you went, hey, Budweiser, we just found out that 20 years ago you made a commercial that had an American flag in it. So we are boycotting your product. Cancel culture is when you go to someone's past. I agree. Then, I agree. That's what I'm saying. Conservatives are forgiving. This isn't cancel culture. This is just momentary right. consequences for their behavior. And so it's not it's not a forever thing. Like I would never at this point, I would I plan never to buy anything Anheuser-Busch ever again. But if they come out and, and apologize for it, I'd be like, OK, sure. Yeah, I, I said this between, in Austin. If they came yeah. out that Friday and said, we're really sorry for sponsoring this individual. We did not realize how divisive this would turn out to be. We won't do it again. We, we respect and, and, you know, love all of our customers and those who enjoy Bud Light. Let's get back to just having beers with each other and not, you know, being politically divisive. We're sorry. I would have got up on stage and I would have yelled, woo, Bud Light's for everybody. I'm the house. I'm buying. Do you I would have immediately went out and I don't even drink. Do you think they're afraid of the backlash from the other side of yep. this? Like if you say. Whoopi Goldberg threatened them. Right. And if you say like, we won't do this, we won't ever do this again. Like, what are you saying? Are you saying you won't have a trans person are you saying you won't have someone whose audience primarily teenagers are you saying it's part of the like i think so many of these issues they won't sponsor are, dylan mulvaney again yeah but is That's that it. enough like is is that going to seem like a direct threat to the other side of the aisle so to well speak? I, I i don't care i mean the the other side of the aisle 20 year old 20 year olds and teenagers aren't buying bud light so they've decided to alienate their entire market in an effort to attract teenagers you, 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 what? Yeah, That's ridiculous. I, oh, this is what I said. You have the ages of 21 to 80, okay, where you're marketing beer to these people at barbecues, at picnics, at sporting events, 
And they said, the one actually came out and made a video where she was like, we need a new younger audience. And it's like. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're at best targeting 21 to 24-year-olds. So you're going to take those three years over the entire human lifespan that you're sacrificing your entire doesn't make sense. You're talking a little bit like a businessman that knows more than I think that the Anheuser-Busch people know, because you're looking at it just from a revenue like marketing standpoint. I think there's more at play than just making a business decision. Impact investment. Yeah, I think that the ESG stuff like you behind the scenes, they're getting incredible pressure, especially because they have been somewhat of a patriotic company or tried to appeal to patriotic people in the past. Like they're getting incredible pressure from these ESG systems now, these ESG metrics, to be woke, not just environmentally, but on social issues. That's why we saw yeah. those companies like paying for their employees to go to different states for abortions, like announcing they were going to do that because that's being a good corporate citizen. That's crazy. It's right. It's be, super crazy. You, you, and that's the same with this. I mean, I, I think this said, plays into it more. Have you seen the sketch where they, uh, the, the woman asks for maternity leave and they're like, no, but we'll fly you there to abort the baby. Yeah. Like we won't give you time off. We won't give you any extra money. You can't have the kid. It just literally made so no creepy, sense. It's better it? for us to keep you as a worker B. What's the I mean, woman? Oh, sorry, that, that's really what it is. The The cost of maternity leave for a corporation is greater than the cost of the abortion. So these these corporations were offering to pay for women to travel out of state to get an abortion because it saves them money in the long run. Mm-hmm. That's, that's no, insane. It's because and they really care about me. It's because oh, like, yeah. they want me to be happy. They want I mean, you to be a CEO. So, Have well, it all. <laughs> get out of your chair, Tim. I'm moving in. Oh. Uh, <laughs> no, but I do think that with Anheuser Busch, I'd be really curious to know what the internal conversations are like, right? Yeah. Like, I think you're right. There are a lot of outside organizations that will lobby and pressure them, but. I would also like to know what the culture is among employees. Like, have they been specifically recruiting, you know, progressive LGBTQ people who are saying, if you say that you won't sponsor Dylan Mulvaney again, we will, you know, turn on you. Well, I don't know what employees do at beer companies, but, you know, become incredibly difficult. They must be getting a lot of very strange pressure from a lot of different directions. Uh, This was Alyssa Heinershade is the the woman who made, made the call on this whole this whole ad campaign and she said in her in her initial in that video where she was talking about that it was about inclusivity and we want to be inclusive and then and she said repeated it so like what does this word even mean if you're using it multiple times but that was the it's like brainwash kind of like this brainwashing of like but before we, we, we move on i want to mention we, one more thing well we may have breaking news on oh, this good, subject yeah. so uh before we go into whatever that was uh you, you may want to mention it we have this tweet from clay travis someone actually just super chatted clay travis tweets bud light has fired <gasps> the marketing vp who greenlit the Dylan Mulvaney advertisement. I'm not going to read what he said uh, as the brand sales continue to tank. That's oh. Alyssa. That's the woman I was just talking about. Is she, is she the one that criticized uh, Bud Light's brand for being too fratty, but then yes. there, uh, that other video of her surface being kind of fratty? Yes. How did she ago? get her job? This girl doesn't even like the company she works for. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Cool. That why, why are people like that getting jobs and making yeah. calls like this like that are who costing hired companies her who's billions? Like, this girl who doesn't seem to like it here is the future of our marketing phase. I'm also surprised she didn't get fired sooner, but that well, should tell we you don't, that they are I, really I, struggling. It's Clay Travis is tweeting it. We'll see if we get more confirmation on that. So I wanted to clarify that there's a difference between boycotting and canceling. In no way has this become a cancel movement against uh, Budweiser. This is a boycott against Budweiser. Canceling is when you say, 
Don't let them on that platform. Boycotting is when you say everyone mute that account. That's different. You can you can ignore uh, ignore corporations. That's boycotting them. But when you when you demand that they're not allowed to participate, that's when you're attempting to cancel. That's you don't want to cancel. That's the bad stuff. I disagree. Boycott all you want. That's market force. But no, I, I don't think, like cancel a method. I think it's yeah. We should we should cancel absolutely. But it's not First, canceling. You, you misunderstand. Canceling always was a reference to you had um, Sarah Silverman got fired from a job because ten years prior she made a blackface joke. That's canceling someone. It's like you were a bad person a long time ago and you are being excised. Mm -hmm. That's what we were all complaining about. Like, are you kidding? Like that guy made a joke. And then, you know, Mike Cernovich came out and and pointed out that James Gunn had made off color jokes 10 years prior. And then he got booted temporarily. That was cancel culture. The left saying something like, hey, this company supports this guy currently right now. We don't like that. We're boycotting is just a boycott. The right saying Bud Light sponsored someone we don't like. That's a boycott. We need to be saying to these companies, we will not give you money if you're doing things that are bad. Yeah, that's boycotting. Saying, right. I, I, won't, I won't give you the things. But saying, Twitter, don't let Budweiser on your platform anymore. That's a cancel move. That's, that's the wrong way. Oh, to well, go. I don't think anybody's doing that, though. No, no well, they're like, not. Deep, deep this is all platform. about boycotting. What, what do you call when? Because I agree, the clarification. But I think there's a third element of it, too. And that's the deplatforming. When, so, when social media companies, like what they tried to do to President Trump on um, Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, where they... they called his words violence or whatever they called it and then they kicked him off in an attempt to act to like cancel him that's also cancel culture yeah. not just based on something they dug up but based on the fact that they are trying to perfectly silence and him. i think cancel culture can go even more extreme right you know of people who lose their bank accounts they're not yeah. allowed to use paypal like they are unperson from things that interact with the internet or in some way connect to social media or basically make it possible to exist in society right like that's cancel culture at the extreme i think saying like i won't buy a product that's a boycott, yeah. right? Saying I'm going to block this person, that's not canceling them. That's no, just saying that's just I don't want to attract them. But like cancel culture has become such a normal that it naturally has ramped up and can become incredibly dangerous. For me, cancel culture is the unpersoning of someone, making it so that they basically cannot exist in mainstream society. Yeah, it's a violation of the equality of opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a smear on the United States and everything it stands for. Yeah, versus boycotting is saying you can be in the market, but I'm, I don't want to do a, a market-based transaction with you. And I will encourage like 100 million people to also yeah, not yeah. do a market-based. Yeah, and I like yeah. what you said before. I mean, I think it's true conservatives sort of lack direction in boycotts. I think they are quick to forgive, and sometimes I think that's part of uh, the the thematic Christianity that follows a lot of conservatives. Uh, conservatives, they, they believe that if you repent, you should you deserve forgiveness, but really people say, I'm sorry and keep doing so, the bad thing. We have confirmation uh, from Ad Age. Bud Light's marketing leadership undergoes shakeup after Dylan Mulvaney controversy. Alyssa Heinerscheid, who has led the brand since June, takes a leave of absence and is replaced by Budweiser Global Marketing VP Todd Allen. So not fired, leave of absence. Wow. This is this is a huge move That's on the part of Anheuser-Busch. Anheuser Ad age, of course, for everybody wondering, is NewsGuard certified 100 out of 100. This is hard confirmation that this woman has been temporarily removed from her position. This means it is 100 times worse than what you think it is. Mm -hmm. And it looks like they brought in the big gun with the big guy. Global marketing VP, I guess, would be far superior to Alyssa, who was like uh, just, probably U.S. domestic. Yeah. Oh, boy, They're YouTube's not going to be happy about this one. You see, and this is my point. There is no way they made a move this bold because you know when you're working in corporate and you've got marketing people and PR people, they're going to say, mm -hmm. you do this, it is dropping a boulder in a lake. It is going to ripple out 
Everyone's going to be talking about it. You are reigniting the story, but they knew they had to do it. Yeah. That's how bad it was. What if? That says to me, it is extremely likely, as I believed, as I mentioned earlier, as I believe that they went to YouTube and said, take these videos down or else. What if it was a coordinated effort? And they were like, listen, for our business, we have to fire the people that did this or we're not going to recover our revenue. But at the same time, we want to serve this leftist agenda or our ESG score. So how about you remove all the criticism of Dylan Mulvaney? We remove our marketing team and it like evens well, that, out. I, I don't that makes no sense. Like there's there's no strategy here. What the, the fact that they are removing this woman, she's taking a leave of absence. Maybe it was of her yeah. own volition, but not apologizing says a lot, and which, which is where you're probably right, that they don't want to besmirch the the good name of ESG, right. but they know they're reeling from it. And it'll right. be interesting. So the two moves maybe can't. If they, did, if they did pressure YouTube at the same time to be like, hey, we're going to, if you don't remove this stuff, and then also this, then they can be like, well, we did both. We're serving both. Yeah. It'll Man, be it would have been way easier. Oh, I'm sorry. Go oh, ahead. no, I was just excited. It's going to be interesting if she quietly comes back. You know, she's going on a leave of absence oh, to right. Terminator or like in six months when they think this has come down. Because you're completely right, Tim. Like their sales are hurting and it's the beginning of the second quarter of the year. Like they need to... Uh, fix this as quickly as possible so it doesn't carry in. I mean, I can only imagine that summer is a pretty intense sales uh, time for oh, yeah. the year, right? Like mm-hmm. they don't want to go into their second quarter, which is probably a serious sales quarter for them with this boycott still in place. And I really just don't think a leave of absence is enough, right? Like I don't want to advocate for anyone to get fired. On the other hand, she has really hurt the company. If they quietly sneak her back in in June, it's not going to look good. Hmm. It might be a legal thing. Thought. It'll be interesting to watch. It'll be interesting to see if people keep watching to see if she exits the company or if she's reinstated. Yeah. And I'm sure they're like, she's a female executive. We can't just fire her over this. Like, that will hurt us as well. I'm scrambling to learn more about it right now, but it's it's just such fresh knowledge. Uh, I don't know much to say about it yet. You know, I, my compassion is there for this girl, but still, you know, when you, the market the market demands, you know, you got to follow the market. I and you're think, responsible for your decisions, right? So this this news is coming out on a Friday. Obviously, mm-hmm. PR 101, yep. let the yep. story die. But they tried this last week. It did not work. They're trying it again. It will not work. I'll tell you what's going to happen. Monday morning, first thing, there will be a wave of political commentary talking about just this. The old rules don't work anymore. It used to be that by Monday, there was different news and the news outlets were like, what story should we run, guys? And the editor comes into the room and he's like, here's a bunch of stories that happened over the weekend. Here's what we got from last night. What about that story from Friday? That's old news. Now there's too much online. So there's going to be a ton of people who are going to be like, here's what you missed last weekend. And they're going to start with the biggest story. Bud Light has, for, for whatever reason, either of her own volition or otherwise, she has been removed from her position. So, uh, well, next Monday morning, we're going to have news on this and everyone's going to want to know. They need to just apologize. Bud, just apologize. Just say we're sorry for sponsoring Dylan Mulvaney. We're sorry. We won't do it again. But but you got to say why you're sorry if you yeah, do that. Yeah, agreed. There's, I, I, I think... I think if Anheuser-Busch came out and said, we literally did not understand the political ramifications of what this person means to people in this country. We did not understand that there, that it was a highly hyper-polarizing issue. We do not. Here's what I'd say. I'd say, first, I'd say I, to all of our loyal you know, Bud Light fans and drinkers, I am deeply sorry that we sponsored an individual that was off-putting and offensive to you. We didn't mean to do that. We did not realize how strongly people felt about this because we did not know the context around this story and this individual. So here's what we're going to do. 
We are going to rescind the sponsorship. We will strive to avoid this kind of thing again. We just want people to come together over an ice cold brew and celebrate with each other. And if this didn't accomplish that, we screwed up. Please forgive us. Would you buy Bud Light if they said that? Yes. Really? Absolutely. I think, I think there are people who wouldn't. I think they would say, like, if you didn't know he was a, a polarizing figure, then you are still then, lying. Then the damage is done. Yeah. But what they're playing right now is do nothing, say nothing, and hope it goes away. And it's getting worse. Well, this is this but, is going to be the debate in, in conservative circles over the course of the next week is what to do because they fired this woman. And whether Whoa, the boycott should she's she's leave of absence, leave, leave of absence. <laughs> right. Okay, leave of absence at a corporation. We know what that means. But well, no, uh, she, what it she, could she, mean. she may have said, "Guys, I'm stepping down. I, I, I can't be involved in this." Right? Mm -hmm. it, Possibly they, they could have gone to her and said, "We want you to take a leave of absence." We we don't know for sure. I and mean, like I is, said, what if she comes back? Like, what if they're like, "Yeah, she she, she's hanging on the there background." There won't be a news story about it if she does. Yep. Right? They'll sure. do it as quietly the as possible, and then I feel like conservatives are going to have to be like, "Oh wait, they just completely took back the person who I assume." It, okay, had the most authority to let this happen. Like, what does that say about the company? The only, I can speak for myself here, and I would not buy Anheuser-Busch products unless they not only issued an apology that actually said, we apologize, but they stated that what they did and named what they did was wrong. And also, it's Not just bigger. we stepped in it, not just we didn't realize it was a hot button issue, but they had to say, we're sorry for sponsoring this person. We're sorry because it violates your values we understand that. We ask for your forgiveness. Moving on, like, we're not going to do that again. Yeah. That, I, I'm happy to forgive them if they say that. But if they just say, these, if they just keep doing the things that they're doing, I'm I'm done. Yeah, I, I want to see them specify that his audience is very young, too young, and they didn't realize mm -hmm. how young his audience mm -hmm. was and that they're, that was a gross misconduct on their part. Also, it's InBev. AB InBev is the company that owns Anheuser-Busch. AB yeah. InBev owes the humanity an apology for, for trying to sell their beer to kids. Someone said they saw a video saying Bud Light is being sued, but they are being sued. They're being sued by America First Legal for racist hiring practices. So they just opened a can of worms on this one. I think the issue is, especially with that lawsuit, Bud Light is the easiest culture war issue for the average person. There's no brand loyalty to watered down beer. The beer for people who don't want to drink beer, but want to drink a lot of it. There's a bunch of options for alcoholic water. There's hard seltzer. There's, uh, uh, you know, other light beers. I'm not going to, I'll try not to avoid insulting the other beers that are doing fine because they didn't engage in this practice. But really, I think the issue is Dylan Mulvaney is nails on a chalkboard to many people. That's why there's no boycott right now over Jack Daniels or Coors. Other companies have done pride promotions. Dylan Mulvaney specifically is is a very grating individual who, who deeply offends a lot of people for a variety of reasons. And I think, I think uh, the transgender issue is just one small aspect. I think it's the political aspect people hyper-focus on. But I think for a lot of people, it's just the... I, I really do think it's the narcissistic personality mm -hmm. disorder. And I would give the Price is Right video as an example of it. Yeah, People were deeply bothered by Dylan Mulvaney on the Price is Right. And Dylan in that video is just some guy. Like, not trans, not expressing any ideology. But people are saying, look at this behavior. It's mm -hmm. off-putting. It's, it's shocking. It's offensive. It's wrong. It's narcissistic. That carries through. And I actually think that Dylan Mulvaney uses trans people as a shield for this while simultaneously making them look bad. Like, there are, there are people that we shout out periodically who are trans themselves, who are great people that we, we love and respect. Dylan Mulvaney 
is so long as Dylan Mulvaney is the most prominent individual claiming to be trans, it is going to be very, very difficult for run of the mill, regular trans people to be taken seriously. That's something that I find deeply offensive that Dylan, like Dylan Mulvaney, I'll say it again, hiking heels in the forest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and there are people, conservatives, who've never met a trans person who see that and they're like, that's what this is. It's like, no, 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 no. Hang out with Blair White. Blair's amazing. Super cool. That does not represent who these people are. But now YouTube is shutting down people who are critical of that. And it's almost like YouTube hates trans people, too. Or they're I think it comes down to YouTube really doesn't care. They're just like, whatever makes us money. I literally don't care if Dylan Mulvaney is the worst example of of, of a person in media who is insulting women and trans people at the same time. If it makes us money, just take the action. Well, it's also the phrase you said, I think, is key for a lot of women. And that is a very insulting portrayal of a quote unquote woman. Mm-hmm. Right. Like think about the very first days of girlhood video where sitting behind the keyboard being like, OK, my first day of being a woman, I wrote an angry email that I didn't send. I cried wow. a couple of times. I all these the very fu- misogynistic stereotypes right. of a of a woman. I saw that and I was like, excuse me. I've been wow. a woman for 33 years. I haven't done any of that. But you know what? People who hate women accuse women mm-hmm. accuse women of behaving like that. What's and, and what if Dylan Mulvaney said, my first day of womanhood, I went to the kitchen, made a sandwich and did the dishes and folded the laundry. Like, what's the difference? It's the same stereotype insult. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think part of it is like, is this a type of humor where you think, oh, I'm relating to you by also negging on myself. But the reality is you are not experiencing these things. Yeah. It's a similar stereotyping that bothers me when people say, oh, well, we have this son, but he thinks he's transgender. And so we socially transitioned him. And it's like your 12-year-old is wearing so much eyeshadow, I can't see his face. And tons of eyeliner are like, I wouldn't let my 12-year-old daughter do that. Totally. Like, you are taking parts of being female and inappropriately applying them to a situation in a lot of ways, but also like yeah. the weirdest or like the, the parts of like mature female adulthood like it just doesn't make sense and it's okay in some cases and not in others. People like, no, always talk no about- No woman that I've ever met, no woman that I've ever met behaves the way that Dylan Mulvaney does. Right. Uh, and no, no woman would be accepted in a professional setting or taken seriously no. if she behaved that way. But additionally, most trans people don't behave that way. I think one of the issues that we're dealing with in popular culture is the highlighting of key individuals who are clearly bad examples There was a video that went viral the other day of a trans person threatening extreme violence. And that's like one crazy person. You then had the the Nashville incident. You have the extreme examples of narcissism from people like Dylan Mulvaney. And then you have many other people that I mentioned we know and care about who don't behave like that at all. So the, the, the issue for me is if someone is experiencing a mental illness or mental disorder of any type, we want that person to get help. Some people have a multitude of disorders and illnesses in different in different areas. I'm not going to lump them all together. I'm going to say, here's an individual who is experiencing this disorder or, or mental illness, and they'll be treated in this way. And then you get a combination of, the, of, of a few who are either threatening extreme violence. I'm not going to blame the person on the left for the actions of the person on the right. You see, you know, you know what I'm trying well, to say? The di- this distinction that you're making is perhaps between people 
who suffer from gender dysphoria versus people who have been captured by the ideology. This is, we were talking about right. this right before we went on air. This is what I'm speaking about at James Madison University on Wednesday. It's why the radical trans activists are agitating before I get there, because I'm talking about the ideology of transgenderism, which doesn't have anything to do with the surgeries, anything to do with the pharmaceuticals, doesn't have anything to do with the biology, nothing nothing like that per se. It's that that queer theory which a lot of people haven't heard about, queer theory is actually the ideological underpinning of this movement to capture vulnerable youth. And the it's vulnerability a, might be any number of things, whether it's abuse, whether it's other, these comorbidities, whatever it might be, the vulnerability is there. This ideology comes in and says, hey, you don't feel right about something. You feel unhappy. The solution is to disassociate yourself from your previous identity and to take on this new identity and said it'll solve all your problems. And I think that the distinction that you make between people that feel a discomfort in their body versus people captured by the ideology is probably true. Exactly. Dylan Mulvaney pushes the ideology without, I, I think it's, it's very, very obvious. If we're talking about someone who's suffering from gender dysphoria, an individual who looks in the mirror and experiences anxiety and this like mental anguish over a, a misalignment between their perception and their body, that's gender dysphoria. Dylan Mulvaney goes on camera and yells about their body and says, look at my bulge and things like that, which when I've asked people who are actually experiencing gender dysphoria, they're like a person with dysphoria would not yell to 10 million people. Look at my male body parts because that would trigger their dysphoria. And so then there's questions about autogynephilia and autoandrophilia. But Dylan Mulvaney seems to be just an individual who desperately wants to be famous as, as exa uh, the example being Ellen DeGeneres and the Price is Right video. So that's that's even outside of the ideology. That's fame desperation. Yeah. But but I agree with you. You're right. There there was a period where many trans people were actually being canceled by gender activists. I guess I guess we refer to it as gender ideology or critical gender theory or something like that. There was this period where there were a lot of trans people saying there are only two sexes. Hence, if you're trans, you transition to the other. Yeah. But the younger generation with Zimzer and neo pronouns believe there's a plethora of genders, in which case transition can be from any gender that that's you the up. that's the ideological part of it. Right. Which it's, is at odds with someone who's dysphoric. Right. It's like it's like the way that I compare it is, you know, take it back three or four years ago and we saw in our schools when it came to like the Black Lives Matter riots and the racial tension that was in our country, we saw our children being taught this poisonous stuff. Like if you're a white child that you're inherently racist based on the color of your skin. If you're a black child, you're oppressed based on the color of your skin. And we all kind of pointed to that and said, wait a second, that's not right. Like that's that's bad. We don't want our ki kids being taught that. And it took a little bit of time to unpack the fact that this wasn't some random poisonous ideology, that this was critical race theory. It was the principles of critical race theory that were being taught, not being taught as CRT, but being mm -hmm. being taught with this ideological underpinning. And when we started realizing, when those of us on the right started realizing that, the left said, no, critical race theory is just teaching accurate history. It's just making sure that children know Everyone's the evils of yeah. slavery. And we were like, no, 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 no. Critical race theory is the grandchild of critical theory, which is a neo-Marxist ideology. That exact same thing, that exact same trajectory is happening with with queer theory and with the with this um, epidemic of people identifying as transgender. We see this happening in schools. We're like, we don't want our kindergartners being taught mm -hmm. about sex, about gender identity. We don't we don't want these groomer teachers. We identified that we don't like that. And we're just now as a society being like, wait a second, this is not just some random garbage that's being taught. This is the these are the outgrowth 
of queer theory. It's the principles of the underlying ideology. And that's where we are right now. I want to jump to a somewhat different but similar story or a similar vein. This is a, from TimCast.com. Texas passes legislation requiring Ten Commandments to be displayed in every classroom. The bill's sponsor says the Ten Commandments are part of American tradition. Under SB 1515, which just passed the Senate by a 17 to 12 vote, every public elementary or secondary school must prominently display a durable copy or framed copy of the Ten Commandments that is at least 16 inches wide and 20 inches tall. The display must also be legible to a person with average vision from anywhere in the classroom. The bill's sponsor, State Senator Phil King, said during a committee hearing on the bill that the Ten Commandments are part of American heritage and that it's time to bring them back into U.S. schools. Oh, boy. Wait, this is like there is no other God before me, no false idols. I mean, the Second Commandment basically says that Christianity is blasphemous. You're not supposed to worship people. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are they worshiping people? Well, this, Jesus, people, the Christians worship a, a human. And the, the second commandment he, he, of the you, Jews. You're, you're, you are incorrect. That's yeah. incorrect. Yeah, it's incorrect. Yeah, you shall not make for yourself a carved image, whether it's a human or a thing. You don't right, worship Je- other people. Jesus was, was Jesus not was a God. Human. Yeah. Well, that's what they form. say. Yeah, they say he's a human that was also God. They but put at him the on same time, so the hypostatic nature. Exactly. It, the defies, it, defies, it defies the second commandment. You're not no, supposed to worship other people. No, but he's it, it God. He is fully God and fully human at the same time. So you worship fully God. Like it's, it's the, the, the word for it is hypostatic union because you cannot separate the two. So worshiping Jesus, I'm Catholic. That's why I know this. Um, worshiping Jesus, you are worshiping God. He is the son of God. He is part of the Trinity. Father, son, and Holy Spirit are all one, three in one. So it's not worshiping a person. It is worshiping God. It's worshiping a person, a person, God, and you can't, the spirit all at once. So yeah, it is like, a person. No, no, no. In your Father, son, and Holy Spirit are all three all three it's three and one it's the trinity it is god god took the form of a man to come to earth as jesus christ but you are it's not separated it's not like oh his body was human and his his spirit was god he was both fully god and fully man so jesus is worshiping god and i don't want to this is actually i want to talk about the. this is a whole different podcast i want to talk about the the political and philosophical do it so first for those that I, I think we should tell you what the Ten Commandments are so you can yeah. understand what they they want to put in schools. I love the first one. One, no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. Two, you shall not make for yourself a carved image. Is that uh, no false idols, I believe? Yeah. Yeah. Three is you shall not take the name of your Lord God in vain. Now, this one's interesting because um, what was explained to me, I think this was Prager who explained this. That a lot of people think it means you can't just say something like, oh, my God, because you're using it for no reason. But what he described, I could be wrong about who, if, if it was him or not, but someone described it as it would be like declaring war an enemy country and saying God wills it. Yes. You are taking his name to do your bidding. And that's taking his name. In oh, vain. my gosh. These it's super also, churches make me think. It's that. also like, you know, the phrase, you know, the phrase Lord. Yeah. Lord is actually like not the name of God. 
but in the old in the Old Testament, the the Jewish people, God's people, believed that they couldn't say the name. Actually, Jews today still like abbreviate when they say God, they put a little dash between it hmm. because you, they couldn't say the name of God, which is Yahweh. So that's it was four letters, Yahweh, and so they 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 called it Lord as a way of saying it without saying the name of God because it's so he's has such extreme majesty that well, they couldn't say the name. Let's read some more. Because again, I, I'm not here to teach you the Ten Commandments, everybody, but for the context of... <laughs> I'll do that, too. <laughs> this is what they want to put in the schools. You should know this. Four is remember the Sabbath day. Five is honor your father and mother. Six, you shall not murder. Seven, you shall not commit adultery. Eight, you shall not steal. Nine, you shall not bear false witness. Ten, you shall not covet. So this is being passed in Texas. They want this in elementary schools. I guess the question is, if if they're putting critical race theory, critical theory, gender ideology in schools... Personally, I don't see any difference. And so my response is going to be, if you are trying to pass Marxism into schools, then I then, OK, fine, you do that. They do this. Where, where, what am I arguing? Can I tell you my super based opinion on this? Sure. OK, my super based opinion on this is that this is fabulous and that they should do it. And that it violates <laughs> it violates nothing about our, our heritage of law here. So truly in the conservative movement, the Republican Party, there's a difference between how we view laws, right? There's like the libertarian view that's like, we should be able to do whatever we want as long as we don't violate somebody else's fundamental human right government should get off my lawn. And then actual conservatism is not libertarianism. Actual conservatism is like in the in in the style of Edmund Burke, right? Where it's not absolute liberty, it's ordered liberty. Ordered liberty being defined as more like the pursuit of justice. And he defines justice because you're like, OK, well, what's justice? Then he defines justice as um, original justice, capital O, original justice, meaning rooted in the traditional Judeo-Christian morality. And this is not just something like, oh, OK, I'm a practicing Catholic. I'm coming in here with my religious views. Edmund Burke's philosophy is what our Constitution was based on. James Madison, the father of our Constitution, quoted Edmund Burke. So my belief is that indoctrination is morally neutral. It's not good or it's not good or bad in and of itself. I agree. And there's no such thing as neutrality. You, either we are going to be indoctrinating or they are going to be indoctrinating. So if we agree. don't have this in schools, then Marxism, which I would argue is a form of like satanic ideology, then Marxism is going to be in our schools. So I would much rather have this. Do you agree with Ten Commandments in schools? Yeah, I think it's great. I mean... There is an argument. So I think people misinterpret how America treats religion, right? In France, you have freedom from religion. So you're not supposed to wear religious symbols in school. There's controversy over job, providing uh, kosher meals, things like that. In America, you have the freedom to practice your religion, however, and I think you're completely right. Uh, we're actually a nation that's completely intertwined with Christianity. And so it's not wrong to have uh, the Ten Commandments in schools. I mean, you can reference it in a lot of different ways when you're teaching, right? Like, it's also uh, such a fundamental part of our life that like that when we talk about uh, observing the Sabbath, right? Like this is a case that the Supreme Court has agreed to take on. You have this uh, postal worker from Pennsylvania who said, you know, I'm a, I'm a practicing evangelical Christian and I observe the Sabbath on Sundays. And when the U.S. Postal Wor uh, Service started working with Amazon, they said, okay, but our workers have to work on Sunday. And he said, well, I need a religious exemption. And eventually... Uh, his postal workers where he's he's based we're like we're not going to we're gonna we're gonna keep scheduling you for sundays we're not going to acknowledge that you need a religious exemption even though our typical work week does allow for a yeah. sunday sabbath they said this is critical to our business and so therefore we are allowed this is two judges went through and said yeah they have the right to demand that you work and deny your religious exemption well you have the freedom to practice your religion right like mm. i think that we are so afraid of religion as a country uh, uh, as a country that we don't 
learn how to talk about it in a way that's saying like you don't have to be a christian but you need to understand christianity to yeah. understand the influences it has yeah. on our country well so, so ian yes or no ten commandments in schools it depends on how it's taught because there's a difference between Mounted teaching on the walls that's what they said there's a difference between teaching about christian or judaism this is judaism there's a difference between teaching about judaism and indoctrinating well, people to become jew Okay, like, wait, wait, hold on. Ian, a specific question. They are mounting this. They want this mounted in elementary schools. No, I don't like it. It needs context. If they're going to teach it, they need to teach about it and not just make people think this is real. You're like, you have to be able to choose to believe that this is real. But all, all they're doing is putting it on the wall. Yeah, <clears throat> without context, that makes me nervous, man. I don't... You know, I'm, I'm neutral on it. Um, I, I certainly understand why Christians and Catholics and, you know, whatever, uh, and, and many Jewish people probably would, would be like, yes, this is fantastic. We should have these values instilled to our children. And you're completely right about, about indoctrination 100%. I would prefer the Ten Commandments over Marxism. Mm -hmm. So if someone came to me and said, it's one or the other, I'd be like, oh, Ten Commandments all the way. But the like, system no where they're like, hey, here's a really horrible choice. And you're like, I don't want that. They're like, Okay, here's a little bit less horrible choice. Want that one instead? You're like, yeah, this I guess it's, it's less worse. It doesn't have to be either of them. You this don't, is you the don't, compromise. You don't no, that's no, what no, I don't, hold that's on. What I don't this, believe. This though. is the compromise. I don't think there's anything. We're not any, talk, I'm sorry, go ahead. We're not talking about the school teaching Bible study. They're actually putting Marxism in classroom curriculum. And critical, uh, critical race theory and critical gender theory is literally being put into math problems. This is the compromise. This is, we're going to put it on the wall and say, no, I'd like I mean, to see the four pillars of Islam. Is, uh, posted next but our country is, is not based different? in the four pillars of Islam. Our yeah. country is literally based on this. Think about our laws against homicide. Why do we, as a people, recognize that other human beings deserve protection under the law, but like dogs don't or something like that? If you look at morality and think about morality, there's actually no such thing as secular morality. Secular morality is just anarchy. It's just the strongest can dominate the weak. The only reason that we have order in our country right now, even as we are in a chaotic era, is because we have some acknowledgement at the base level that people have dignity, that people have value, and that's based on, that order is based on Judeo-Christian values. Now, you don't have to practice those values in your personal life, mm -hmm. but it is ahistorical to ignore the fact that our entire system, our entire republic is based on that. Yeah. It, is it any different than having a dictionary in the classroom, right? Like if you're explaining, hey, fifth grader, these are what the Bill of Rights are like. Here's something that influenced mm -hmm. that. Like how is having this resource any different, right? Like if you want to talk about how it compares to Islam, then yeah, maybe you should bring in some, te some text well, let's, so let's, students can study it. The truth let's, is, let's, I think Judaism is the most based religion. I think it is phenomenal because it's about your religion your experience with god directly you don't need a priest you don't need any of that it's you and god i think that is where it all comes from uh, all of it christianity islam it all comes from judaism but i'm following the founding fathers saying church and state should be separate they, i wait, don't wait, think they, they ever said that that, I mean, was that was only in one letter that thomas jefferson wrote to the danbury baptists to assure them that they weren't going to face discrimination from the government for practicing <clears> their religion <throat> but the the phrase separation of church and state was never part of any founding document and it's not part of any philosophy about keeping morality out of law it's only about whether the government can either force you to participate in religious practice or prohibit it and, and i'm pretty sure there was also, conversely, a founding father, maybe it was Franklin or Jefferson, that said, you need religion for a for a society to function properly. Yeah, John Adams said our country was made for moral people and no other. Yes, I just yeah. I exactly. see the churches capitalizing on religion. That they're, they're, really right. bothers he, he, me. He's, he's right, though. We talk about this all yeah. the time. So the, the question I've asked is, would the United States be better? Or someone asked us this, would the country be better if it was a Christian theocracy? And first of all, better, I guess, is subjective. But if you were to talk about... Do we want less crime? Do we want a stronger economy? Do we do we want better health care? If everybody shared the same moral foundations, 
everyone's lives would be better. However, I'm not saying which moral foundations. I'm just saying if you had 100 million people that all agreed communism was perfect, guess what? It would work. The reality is communism doesn't work because no one ever agrees to that great extent. Someone's always got to run a system or whatever. That's why communism doesn't work. But if everybody had a simple moral foundation that was like the Ten Commandments or otherwise, everybody agreed that, that you know, there was an afterlife, there was a God, you, we have to be good stewards of the earth and, and all that, you'd, you'd have to worry a lot less about crime. The, the issue is, right now, no one believes or fears that there is any consequence to the bad things they do, so we experience more crime and corruption. Were you, Liz, were you taught religion as a kid? Yes. Yeah. I was raised in a, I was raised in a Catholic home. And then of course you get to an age uh, as a young adult where you have to decide like, okay, am I going to continue in this practice as an adult and own it versus just participate in a family? One more point about this being in schools though. And this is really interesting. If you read the history of public schools in our country, compulsory public schooling only became a thing in like, I think Massachusetts was the first state to do it in 1836. And the reason that they did that the reason they had compulsory public schooling was to indoctrinate children in two things, in American values and in Protestant values. Because at that time in our country, there were tons of immigrants coming in our country. A lot of them were Catholic immigrants. And the, the people in charge of our government at the time were very anti-Catholic. They were very Protestant. And they wanted to form a new generation of children that understood that they weren't they weren't. They shouldn't identify as the country that they came from. They needed to identify as American. So they had to be taught American civics and they wanted them taught Protestant values. So the purpose of our education system has actually always been indoctrination. We've just, I mean, it was just hijacked by people who wanted to indoctrinate the opposite let's, of what it was intended. Yeah, let's, 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 let's do this. I want to like Rockefeller. Let me ask you guys, I want to read the commandments and, and then get your opinions on it. So let's, because they're, because they want to teach kids this, let me ask you, you all first. Obviously, I think the, the Christians in the room are going to have an obvious answer. Uh, no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. Is that something a children should be taught in general? Uh, this one makes me nervous because if I say to you, Tim, there is no other God before me and I'm reading you the commandment, there's there can be a possibility that you think that it's Ian. There's no other God before the ego that is speaking the words. So that's one gets misinterpreted when the guy stands up and says it out loud. It's true that there is one God. But it is not for it's not me. It's well, right, right, God right. is speaking I through us. I think on. that's. I think it's unlikely that people would misinterpret it. Like I think that. the but, but priests on, stand okay. up and take sure. the, take the credit let's, for a lot but, of but stuff. They become the question. one. No, they, like, they, but, they read but, but, from but that's not the my Bible. Que- that's not my question. My question is: If you is it is it a good thing to teach a child about the one God? I'm not saying to accidentally say to a kid a sentence and then walk away. I'm saying should should a, an adult be telling a children basic philosophies around the First Amendment? Yes. Depends on the teacher. First, first commandment. You said first okay. amendment. Sorry. First amendment. First amendment. <laughs> first amendment. <laughs> but hey, man, they, they, they crafted the ten, the ten amendments. You know, the ten I, bill of rights is kind of like a. I think part of it is like yes, as a Christian, mm. I think sounds good to me, and I can understand in a diverse society where there are different religious views, you might be concerned, like seeing there's only one Christian God. Does that isolate someone else? But I think the idea behind this, meaning that there is one point of authority, there's one point of point of morality, is a good concept to teach people, right? It, it can make them subsist, um, subservient to authority. So you got to be careful about that. If I was a kid and I saw that on the wall and I didn't know what it meant, I'd, I'd first thing I would ask is, what is but what, God? But right, right, but, but to clarify, I get it. But I'm trying to clarify. I'm not sa- suggesting that. I'm saying, should children be taught that there is one God and no other God? Are you talking about by public schools or in general? Should in children, general. Oh, should children be taught that? Absolutely, yes. Mm-hmm. It's, Ian, no, Ian, no. It, it, it needs Ian, to be more than truth. that. Because it's, it's, it's both one and many and, and it's, what is it? And you got to explain what it well, is. it's never going to be taught I'm, in I'm isolation. asking you, Ian. If they should teach that in school to, to no in general. Oh, 
Well, yeah, I think so. Uh, that's my, that's, our, I like to do that. I because think it's our job. They, they could also teach polytheism. They could say, which we that, should. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm saying they go to children and say, did you know that Zeus is a top Mount Olympus? And Zeus was is... a guy that had electricity and he lied to people and told him he could shoot lightning. <laughs> <laughs> and he had sex with his that. kids that month. <laughs> Nut job. They're a big cult living up in the mountains. That's a that's a twenty, and that's a twenty. Uh, so here, here's the next one. Sorry, I can't get over it. Should children in general be told not to worship false idols? Yeah, absolutely. When yes. I, I completely agree. Especially I think you agree too. That, that was the like point of your first materialism and influence self culture. Love. Yeah, 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 for yeah. sure. Everyone but, agrees. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but only in conjunction with the first, because you need to know what to worship. Exactly. And that, it actually says that. It says the first and second, second commandments go hand in hand. The, I think the second commandment is actually not even necessarily a Christian. It, it doesn't need to be seen as a Christian specific thing. Telling people not to worship false idols, I think, is a good thing. Jewish. It's a just Jewish a, thing. These are all Jewish. Yeah. So uh, uh, we all agree with that. And, and, and I'll just say, I think it's because there are bad things that will try to trick you and deceive you. And you could be tricked into worshiping bad things. We're trying to say, be careful of those who would trick you into worshiping. Money. Do not worship it. Bad politicians. I mean, I got to interject here and say that as a Catholic, we look at the Bible as a whole, not just line by line. Like everything isn't, everything is is contextualized both Mm -hmm. with the old covenant and then the fulfillment, the new covenant and the gospel. So it's not just good advice for your life. It all centers around the fact that God has given us these laws in order for us to better worship him and ultimately, and this is, I know the religious point of view, but it's not just secular advice for your life. But I, I think that's a an actual component. I think these are to help you actually live a better, happy and more fulfilling life. Mm-hmm. If, if, if I were well, to, how do you define those words? Like better, happier, and more fulfilling. Do you define those as like just here on earth? Or do you find that, do you define that like, okay, well I'm saying it's both. on earth, your goal is actually keeping your eyes on eternity to live this life so that you can get to the next. I will say, if your view is that this is to better worship God, that is true and correct. And I would also say, if you follow them, your life will be better in general. Yeah, and if you're on, if you're tripping on DMT and you know this stuff, you'll be better off while you're tripping. So this this next one's three is interesting. It's funny that we're actually discussing the philosophy of the Ten Commandments. I'm actually really excited for this. You shall not take the name of your Lord God in vain. Uh, I'm going to start this one because I am not Christian. I do believe in God. And my view is, call it whatever you want, call it superstitious or spiritual. I... Am very reluctant to curse or tempt the fates. I have that I have had many instances in my life where I have. I don't know how you describe it. I wouldn't necessarily say it's using the Lord's name in vain, but arrogance. And then I had the pie thrown in my face, where I've made jokes, thinking who cares, and then experienced a, 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 a thing. I've I've had experiences in my life where I've sat behind my computer and mocked someone just to myself. And then a week later, met them, and they were the nicest person in the world to me, just ripping my heart out. And I'm like, I can't believe I would think those things about this person. That was the stupidest thing. So I look at this, I'm like, call it whatever you want. I believe there is something greater than us, and I believe insulting the universe, the greater, the energy, or God, or, or that is just, I stay away from that. I think it's a bad thing. I think you will be better off if you remain humble. Dude, and, and also accept your accept that there are powers beyond you. Like I think yeah. God speaks to people. I have when I clear my mind and I ask, tell me what to do. I get a vision of what I'm doing. And and but if I went online and said God is command commands you to subscribe to me for ten dollars a month, like that's the vein. That's the absolutely vein. that never never that you need to follow that commandment. Sure. You do not abuse that thing. I think that's one interpretation yeah, of agreed. the word vein. I think the other part is saying like 
you have to set boundaries for yourself on what you're allowed to say, like being able to basically understand what's inappropriate, what's not appropriate. You are able to better understand respect. Like this is basically the concept of respecting something that has more authority and knowledge than you do, right? And like that is actually a good principle to carry out in life. So I'm just- It's like the principle of salvation, really. Mm -hmm. It like, it's like the ultimate humility because we are- we are not worthy of even saying his name, let alone living forever with him in eternity and experiencing his love. Right. I, I think. Except to, for that he came to save us. To kind of simplify why I wanted to go through these as they're talking about putting it in schools is that we need to teach basic philosophy mm-hmm. on like, I think the idea that people say we are wet, we are moist robots and there is nothing beyond life. I'm like, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Like any, any degree of scientific understanding, philosophical understanding and spiritual general knowledge, like general, like I'm saying, if you're not a Christian and you just read the Bible to better understand what people think, all of these things would lead, I think, any person who t- who, who is an open mind and is, is actually trying to learn, they would be like, there is something truly beyond us mm-hmm. at the very least. And so you got to teach kids philosophy. I, I think, think I th- think these are all really great. To this be could go in a science class because you're talking about quantum physics. I mean, then. Well, let's 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 read. Look, remember the Sabbath day. I'm fairly neutral on this. I mean, I think a day off is very important. A day of rest. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it means something else to Christians, you know. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, the Sabbath is really about like meditating family. on your family, meditating on the philosophy of the things that you've learned. Like, I think that the Sabbath day is uh, something our culture doesn't appreciate because we just see it as the day before Monday. I'm. I'm I'm going to stop right there and say, you know what? Probably the most important commandment. And I think everybody should should be taught it. My view is that it is not some arbitrary thing about God's day necessarily. It is. I, we talk about Shabbat and how Jewish families from sundown on Friday until sundown on Saturday, turn off all the devices, mm-hmm. come together and be a family. That is one of the most powerful cultural tools in human in human arsenal. I was sitting in front of my computer the other night and I heard I was I just heard this frequency in my head like bam 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 and I was like what is that noise? That's my blood pressure. And when my monitor dimmed it sh- it stopped. Like these these machines are driving our minds probably probably affecting us in ways we don't know, but my point is remembering the Sabbath one of the things that's breaking apart Western civilization is that we don't congregate with our families and our communities anymore. Yeah. And to your point, and like, that's what the Sabbath was. Christian communities, right, used to go to church together with your family, with your community. Then you'd go home and you weren't allowed to work and you're supposed to be talking to each other and thinking about the lessons that you are being taught in church through interpretation through your yeah. pastor or whatever I, else. Like, what it is about the moral growth of both your family and of the individual. It's and also it's, the idea of dedicating that day to God. Like, it's, mm-hmm. I agree with what you're saying that the degradation of our society is because of the breakdown of the family and the fact that even when families are together, we're all on the devices that wreck our brains. But that commandment, the interpretation of that commandment is to dedicate that day to God. That like, like I go to mass every Sunday because that's not, that's, that's, I go to mass to worship God the way that he laid out that he wants to be worshiped, right? And that's what it means to say, okay, that day is your day. It's not about me. It's not about my rest. Mm-hmm. It's not about my enrichment. It's about you. And so I will stop everything I'm doing and worship you. And I there's, think- there's, no, there's no question about any of the other commandments. I think there's literally no argument. Honor your father and your mother. Big time. It, it, yeah. it is. I, I'm sorry. If you don't honor your father and your mother, if you don't love them and care about them, I understand that people have fights and falling out and people, but there's always a love there for your family then there's something wrong, right? We, we, like, it is it is 99.999% of humans who love their parents. Mm-hmm. I was just going to ask Jazz Jennings' mother, would you expect Jazz Jennings to honor thy mother? That's a good question. The, the answer is, as a mother, yes. But 
if Jazz's mother is doing her hateful and damaging things, it's not a mother. It's not. It's not an issue of mother. You know what I mean? She's what do you mean by honor, though? It's the definition of what do you mean by too. honor? Are you going to go out and you're going to ruin the dignity of this person that gave life to you, or are you going to say, "Listen, you've abused me," and so with all due respect, I'm going to separate myself from that abuse, say what was wrong, and move on. Like I think the word honor is pretty important there mm-hmm. because. It's right. not a matter of like, oh, you're abusing me, but you're my mother, so I have so to So I have to it. listen to you for the rest totally. of my life. High respect, but, but so that, like to acknowledge why question. they are the way they are. Mm-hmm. You shall not murder. Yes, that is taught in all schools and to all children, and it's very important we do. You shall not commit adultery, at least for the time being. We still have that cultural thing, but now you've got We're the rise of polycules. And yeah. no, no fault right. divorce. It's crazy. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's Reagan's fault. It is. You shall not steal. Oh, boy, we're losing that one, but that's a no-brainer. You the shall government, not. The government needs to teach itself that one. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you shall not bear false witness. Seriously, don't lie. You know, and then false you shall... witness means like saying something, accusing someone else falsely. Like that's right. in- incredibly important for our culture now. Like think about all of the think about like the Kavanaugh stuff and all these false allegations. That's deep fakes. They're false witnesses. Totally. Yeah. Yes. And then uh, you shall not covet. I I I I agree with these. And you know. Mm-hmm. It's not even my, my perspective on them is not religious. Yours is yeah. my, my perspective is you will live a better life if you understand what these things do for humans. Yeah. Now, simply put, from a religious perspective, you're saying it's to better worship God. Yeah. My response is, OK, maybe that doesn't persuade someone. But I tell you, if you follow these, you'll be happier, healthier with a better family. Better yeah. kids. I think having a shared moral understanding would make our stronger our society stronger. And I don't need to make you go to church if we all can agree by some basic rules. And so therefore, having the Ten Commandments in school and being like, here, here are some basic rules that we all agree to would be a beneficial thing. Let me let me let me show you guys this video and we'll jump to this segment. This is a tweet from Clown World. This is what Target in San Francisco looks like. Let's uh make this bigger and take a look at this. So uh Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. For those that can't tell in the immediate, especially for those that are just listening, every single item in the Target is locked. You cannot take an object, shampoo, razors, hairspray, none of it. It's all behind plexiglass and locked. Yep. All behind plexiglass and locked. This this is cultural degradation. This is moral decay. And what we were talking about in the previous segment is, you know, the question of would a society be better if, would would, would the United States be better if everybody was Christian? The, 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 The actual simple way I'd put it is, yes, but not in my view, and I know you guys probably disagree because of Christianity, but because of a shared moral foundation that rests on respecting each other and yeah. society. I actually don't disagree with you. I, I mean, I have never felt like I am personally uh, in charge of making everyone be religious, right? It works for me and it's an important part of uh, making myself be a good person. But I think generally the the point of having a shared value system is to have a strong society, right? And I don't think the government should make you to a church, but I do think that if you don't understand why our rules are set up, if you don't understand the shared social contract that we have that's based on these ideas, then you are very much likely to not participate in society in a yep. way that is beneficial to your neighbor. I mean, if you look at this, it makes me think about those stories. Have you heard of those people who will be like, when my grandparents went to the store, they would just like pay and then someone would bring their groceries to their unlock 
unlocked house and put them away for them. Like We'd leave our doors unlocked at what night. What are you yeah. talking about? I would never do that. I would never just let some... Ra- but, but this here, is listen. totally a different time. It's a time when we were a much stronger in uh, shared, shared morality. Back then, everybody would meet at church on Sunday. Yeah. So if you broke into someone's house, are you nuts? You show up to church, they're all gonna they're gonna turn at you and they're gonna point their fingers at you. You're ostracized. So people were like, Oh, I, I can't do that. I mean, that's that's that scares me. Like the, the 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 negative consequences are massive. Now, there's no gatherings. There's no there's no day to spend with your family. So these people are like, Why do I care if Target loses hairspray? And then the people at Target are like, I also the people who work there, I also don't care. And so then you get security guards, cops, and employees who are just like, We literally don't care. Mm-hmm. And the system starts to break. It's not just the social contract, too. It's I think it's a step further than that because it's obviously the behavior. Like, look at that. That's incredibly eerie that we're at the point in our society that that is a thing. It's also reality. Like, when you don't have a shared moral fabric, then you actually question what is reality. And that's where we are right now with all of these things on on race, on sex and gender, on right and wrong, on what justice means. All of these things, we're actually asking these existential questions that were asked in a different way at the beginning of our country. Like, what is somebody's right? What is a basic individual right? What's the purpose of government? What is wrong? What is what is order? We're asking all of these questions that we haven't asked in over 250 years because we lost that moral fabric, because that was the that was the thing that defined all of those terms, mm-hmm. which allowed us to then build society on it. I really think that it was this worship of money that creeped in with the Federal Reserve System and this obsession with banking that happened in like the 1500s, central banking and stuff. Because people, I see them worshiping money and it's 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 a misguided love or- But or, if we taught the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not covet, right? Thou shalt not covet having shalt more money. worship false gods. Right, <laughs> but like- Oh, sorry to interrupt you. Oh, I'm just, go ahead. There's so much value to having resources. That's that's an issue. It's but not I, money. It's just you know the ability I, to have I, resources. I, I think a component of the component of this is the loss of community. Mm-hmm. It's really easy to be like, you don't need government when you have charity. Well, yeah, if everybody are good moral people who agree with each other, and then everybody's living and working, and one day they see a man whose house burned down and he's homeless, and they say, we got to help this guy, and they all pitch in. And the man shakes their hand. And then the next time a house burns down, that guy joins in to help too. Mm-hmm. Now, neighbors don't talk to each other. Mm-hmm. They, nobody likes each other. And so it's all every man for himself. And they'll loot a grocery store. They don't care. Right. And, they don't know you. And philanthropic uh, participation, volunteer work, is has been declining rapidly for decades in America. So we say like, oh, well, we should have community, you know, nonprofits or whatever intercede and help people. But like, who is running that? Who is prioritizing that? Uh, this is still a trend with a lot of fundraising, but typically women make a lot of uh, the majority of philanthropic giving decisions, meaning they decide where their family's going to donate money. And that's a trend that because a lot of before women were in the workplace, they also led their family's uh, efforts towards serving the community, right? Whether that be through the church, through nonprofits, whatever else, like we have let all of this go away because we also destroyed the structure that was holding it together. Well, you know the issue yeah, is. I think you're exactly correct. the The issue is conservatives aren't good at art, so the <laughs> left makes the worst possible interpretation of religion in government, and they make um, what's that Handmaid's Tale? Yeah. And then it's just meant to to be the most evil interpretation of what a religious society is. Conservatives don't equally create the inverse of the benefits or the positives that could come with a a, a shared moral foundation. Why do you think people don't like each other? Uh, there's a lot of reasons people don't like each other. Some people are just, they don't like each other based on looks. I believe that's rooted in uh, tribalist fear. A human 
uh, who is growing up in, say, the 1400s, lives in a small village of 100, 200 people, they know that these people they are safe with. Humans are safe around those who are part of their community. They then see another person with a different color skin. They immediately know this person does not live where I live. They may try to take from me, steal from me, or hurt me. That's, I think, the root of where racism comes from is like human natural tribal fears. Well, we need to overcome that because that's not the case. We're all people. And I don't, I don't think someone's race is a predominant factor in whether you can trust them or not. In fact, I'm from Chicago and I've only been mugged by white dudes. You know what I mean? So like, I don't look at someone and be like, I can know everything about the person. But that's one, one component. One component is uh, um, uh, separate moral foundations. Like you think it is good to... Uh, I don't know, let's just do usury, for example. You come from a society where you're like, loans are really, really great. It helps the, the you know, the system uh, thrive and grow. And then you get some leftists who are like, usury is evil that exploits the workers. You are stealing from people. Now you're at odds because of deep-rooted moral foundations. So there's a lot of reasons people hate each other, right? Can I add a comment? Yeah. The, your point on art. Do you know who used to be really, really good at art and science? The church. The Catholic Church. How was Vatican II for you guys, though? I feel like you guys gave some of it up. Oh, yeah. That's why I said used to. <laughs> I think we're reclaiming some of that. Like, I'm sure there's a bunch of trad cats watching watching your show who like the traditional Latin mass, who want to get back to the beauty of that tradition, the beauty of the artwork and the cathedrals yeah. and all of that. I was but just reading when we lost some of the religiosity the faith, we lost our stronghold on on cultural excellence. Yeah, the original culture war. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I was just reading an article about uh, a, sem a seminary in Cincinnati, I believe, saying that they're uh, having to build new apartments and dorms because they are getting millennial men who want to go into the priesthood after years and years of decline. I mean, I think mm -hmm. there is a shift. I think largely we've talked about this. People crave some kind of structure and direction. You don't actually want to be uh, in an authority, uh, in uh, dominated by authority, but on the other hand, people want to believe that there is good, there is evil, and I think this uh, this generational shift towards queer, towards uh, relationships that have fewer structures, to like I don't really think I have to, you know, comply with any sort of uh, social norms at all. I think that is sort of the divisive part of the youngest generation. Wokeness proves that a lot of people crave authority. They beg for it. They want to be told what to do and what to think. And wokeness exploits that within people. Mm -hmm. Some people are leaders. Some people are followers. And there's no uh, um, negative to being either. Some people say, look, I just want to work hard. I want to be a good, good, uh, provide good service to my fellow man. You let me know how I can best serve my fellow people. And that's totally fine. Some people say, you know what? I think I can help you better serve your neighborhood, your community, and your world. And those are leaders. What ends up happening is you have people who I really do think many of them want to do good, easily exploited by corrupt ideologies. But because right now you have very liberty minded individuals on the right and collective minded individuals on the left, the libertarian post post liberal or conservatives don't want to go to these people and say, I will tell you how to live your life. They want to say, let me give you the information to free you. And they say, no, I, I want to be told what to do. And yeah. so you're never going to. It goes back to what I said before. I know that this is controversial even on the right, but I just don't believe that there's any such thing as neutrality. I don't think that we can create this sort of like even playing field, this vacuum. I think something is going to fill it and it's either going to be right or it's going to be wrong. It's either going to be good or it's going to be evil. There's not, there's not, it's, 
it the rest is just an exercise in moral relativism but it's it's really just right or wrong and so if you're looking at the good of society like we have we're so afraid as conservatives of using the power of government because we are limited government-minded people right like we don't want to have this huge big daddy government but because of that we actually overcompensate and we don't take advantage of the powers in government that are that are justly given to government officials by the people so you get leftists in office they're not worried they're they're unconcerned with we Building their power. And yet oftentimes conservatives don't want to do that because they're like, oh, just using the power of government, just using the power of government bureaucrats. We've demonized so much when the left does it that we don't want to do it ourselves. And I think that's completely wrong. If conservatives want, if we want an ordered society, conservatives have to understand that um, we're going to have to fill that vacuum with indoctrination and with with the government a little bit or the left is going to do it. And this is a problem I see a lot of people on the anti-woke side. They're like indoctrination in schools is wrong. And I thought about it. I talked about this. We, talk, we talked about it a few months ago. I'm like, it actually isn't wrong. Right. What's wrong is it's bad indoctrination. Yeah. <laughs> we absolutely do want to indoctrinate children with American values. Hello, children. It is good to have free speech. It is good to have freedom of religion. It is good to have a free press. It is good to have the presumption of innocence. That's indoctrination. But totally. what, what hap- we, we rely on the parents to teach the kids. So by the time they get to the school, it's not the teacher that has to teach the kid that. It's but not, shouldn't people be send the teacher's their kids, job. Send their kids to school and they're like two. They, send, they spend like an hour a day with their kids. It's a like big fa- pro- Families, even, even, even well-intentioned families, if your kid, if you put your kid through the traditional tract of like daycare, pre-preschool, whatever it's called, like TK, pre-K, kindergarten, like they're fully formed by the education system. That's the problem. Yeah. Is if the parent isn't teaching the kids these 10 commandments or right and wrong or things like that, by the time they get to school, they don't know. So they'll just listen to any authority. And maybe these people, these libertarians are like, I don't want to be that guy because yep. I know it's not mm-hmm. right to take advantage of you. And, and if someone the, else is like, I will. Don't worry about it. Yes. That, that, that's yes. why... When it comes to the neutrality question, which I think you're correct on, Ten Commandments or Marxism, I'm like, man, I would much rather have the Ten Commandments than Marxism. And I'll take it. I agree that there's no neutrality, true neutral, because I think what's happening is if if it's a scale and you've got like good and evil and then in the middle you've got neutral, it's always moving. So it's moving so fast between the both that it looks like it's in the middle because it's oscillating so quickly so you can kind of find a balance between good and evil in within yourself you know we have to kill animals to eat them that's if you ever look an animal in the eyes before you kill it like that's a pretty evil thing i but, disagree well what if it's your cat like i mean why would, it would becomes, you kill your cat why would you kill you your exactly what because you yeah, wouldn't because you would think it would be evil but but you could kill your cow <clears throat> so like we just kind of accept that certain evil though. violent then let's say like peace and violence we we have these two things and then in the middle there's neutral and and but it's like we're always a, a balance of of both. But if you can get the balance in order, then it you can kind of seem neutral, I think. But you're still both. You're still going to be one or the other at all times. I th- I guess I look at it a little bit differently. I look at it as it's a constant tug of war between good and evil on that spectrum. And so the closest the closer we can get it to permanently being up at good, then when it does have that fluctuation, it's still not quite as bad as dipping all the way down to evil. Yeah, like killing a cow is not evil. Killing a cow for fun to torture the animal is evil. Killing it to eat is not, right? That's the distinction. Humans have had to justify that killing animals is okay because that's how we survive. I understand it. Which makes, which means it literally is. Yeah, it's fine to us, but but, you know, is it to God? God doesn't want us to do factory farming. I'll tell you that. I mean, the Bible says it is. Yeah, I I, I, just- dominion over animals. I asked God if he would, if it would judge me and it said for factory farming, you'll be judged. I think that's a highly biased and uh, ill-informed position. I, I, maybe, maybe because it was wrong, you need you, know, you need like so. 
what I what I would say to that is I think you've probably seen a handful of shock content videos that make you believe farming is done in a certain way. But before you can make a statement like that, you'd need to actually go to one of these so-called factory farms and actually investigate for yourself whether or not that what they've told you on the Internet is true. Have you seen the videos of them like picking up the little pigs and smashing them on the ground because they that, won't stop that, making noise? Is that like showing a video of a murderer and saying all humans are murderers? Well, I'm just asking, have you seen that video? I've seen them. And yeah. those people are have bad people. Have you seen people. the pools of blood and feces that pool so, up and pollute once the environment again, outside? I've also seen videos of people of various races doing bad things. And I don't blame every person of, of those races for the actions of an individual. Showing me a video of one guy bashing a pig does not make me think all farms are evil. No, and factory weird. farms. Not all farms. No, but, but Farming's but, cool. But factory what, but, farming. And, and what does factory farming mean? It's when you Maybe, got them locked up in a house and, and, and you're you could, shoving antibiotics and in. And you could be referring to three farms. That's my point. So you need to, you need to figure out industrialized farming where you've where you've have you ever gone cap to no, no and that's my point and, and they wouldn't instead let drones of, fly over those things instead of taking a strong moral position on something you haven't investigated i've, I've investigated be, from a distance but i haven't been one but so like i could pull up a video where it's like the polar bears are dying and the environmentalists show you 100 videos of polar bears that are gaunt looking but they're lying all the time what they do is they take a a, a, a really old polar bear on his deathbed which is normal Take a video of it and say, this poor polar bear is starving to death. They're tricking you. That's what National Geographic did. You didn't make that up. That's a real thing that happened. Remember that very popular photograph yes. and video of the gaunt polar bear? That it went, was just it, an old polar bear. It was an old polar bear they knew was dying. They blamed it on climate change, but it was just like, no, the thing was like aged. And they don't tell you that polar bears can swim like ridiculously far distance. They're almost yeah. aquatic mammals. My point is this. I agree with you. It's bad when you see a video of a guy torturing animals and stuff. And I blame that person for torturing animals. I don't know if it's, if it's indicative of all large-scale farming. It's the antibiotics that they use in mass. They'll, like, they'll, they'll hit things with antibiotics before they're sick, just so they don't get sick. And then that makes people sick. That but that's them. not torturing an animal. <clears throat> that's, like, that's like a human error. You know what I mean? They'll have like mastitis on the cow nipples because they, they, they hook them up to machines and they just 24-7, they're just, con I don't know how, have how you many ever, hours Have you ever day? gone to a dairy farm? Uh, no, no, I've been to like eight and I've never seen that. Which ones? I went to California. I went to three different ones. I've been to a few. Well, I went to a bunch throughout California. I've been to uh, some in tech. I think Texas. I don't know if those are beef. That might be beef cattle. So uh, we've out here. The farms don't have any of that. And we've been to like three or four yeah, of those. Man. So my shout out to all I, the organic farmers out there. But this is real. People don't people don't understand this. Like. I was confused by this when I went to the first dairy farm ever in California and there was no fence and the cows were all eating. And I said, what if the cows leave? And the farmer goes, where would they go? And I was like, well, I don't, I don't know. Like, what if they just like wander off? And he goes, but where? And I'm like, a random direction and leave. And he goes, but there's no food there. And I'm like, are you saying cows won't leave? And he goes, yeah, why would they leave? The food's right here. And I was just like, and he was like, you ever hear the saying till the cows come home? Cows aren't going to go wander off and die in the woods, bro. He didn't say bro, but like, that's the idea. Like you think cows are so dumb. They're going to be like, might as well just go die. No, they're, they're like, not like looking to take a vacation. Yeah, or they're not going to like hit friends. the Oregon Trail yeah. and try to like they're build like, up civilization. I heard rest. there's great surfing if I just keep and, walking. But so uh, what he pointed out was the milking stations, the cows choose to go into. Because they're uncomfortable. Right. They, they build a bunch of milk up and the cows are like, mm, and they walk in and the machine then milks them and the cows walk back out and start eating again. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I could say is probably sad or cruel is the taking of the calf from the mother. Oh, my God. It's brutal. Mm -hmm. But I also don't think it's evil. I think lions eat animals. Cats eat animals. The, 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 the world as it is, as nature is, is that 
Is it is it evil when a rabbit eats a flower? No, it's destructive. It's not evil. I don't think the word evil is really even that valuable these days. I, I, it's, it's I actually overused. wouldn't even agree that it's destructive. Well, the rabbit eats the flower and then turns the flower into more rabbits. That's creative. It destroys the flower to create. Yeah. But so it's the, more that's creation. The creation and destruction. You know, or the, does the flower serve its ultimate purpose by feeding the rabbit and creating no. more rabbits? That is a, when, when people like animals are here for Otherwise, me to eat, it would just wilt and die. And then it would just go back and, to being and, the soil. And, and actually, some of the seeds actually evolved specifically so that through the digestion of the animal, it sprinkles the seeds around. Meaning many of these plants actually do want to be eaten. What about I mean, the- fruits exist for a reason. The, the, the plant will drop something that is full of sugar so that something will eat it and carry its seeds and help it propagate. Yeah, man. I'm concerned with factory farming, high use of antibiotics, feces and blood, I, I, contaminating I, I, the environment. I, I get all of that. Secrecy. But, but I think I'm concerned that's propaganda. I'm with you on the antibiotic overuse. I think that there's been a lot of there's been a lot of studies. We were talking about this before we went on air. I'm pretty I'm pretty based on on big food and big pharma. And I think our overuse, our society's <clears throat> overuse of antibiotics is like wrecked our guts and caused a lot of chronic health conditions. And that because there's incredible profit motive on both sides, like from big food and then big pharma to like circulate this like problem, solution, problem, solution. Like, I agree with you on that. I I don't, I don't know a lot about the factory farming stuff that you guys were talking about, but just the widespread use of antibiotics to prevent yeah. <clears throat> problems. Like that's objectively it a problem, them. right? Yeah. All right. Let's go to super chats. If you haven't already, would you kindly smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends if you really do like it and become a member at TimCast.com by clicking join us and support our work. Let's read what you got. Jake Moore says, hey guys, you should look into the auto key card federal case that ended today. Basically, people were convicted of trafficking machine guns. Said machine guns were metal cards with drawings on them. Yup. So his guy, the guy's name is, uh, I think it's Matt Hoover. And he had a YouTube channel. And they had these metal cards with drawings on them. If you took those things and you cut out those drawings, stencils, and then did something with them, it would turn the gun into a machine gun or something. So they said selling them, in fact, was selling conversion kits, which is illegal. And then, like, I guess the... The, the parts were also bottle openers or something like that. Like it technically could be a bottle opener, but could also be used to convert a weapon. This is insane because they were selling basically metal cards with drawings on them and they called it a conversion starter kit. So the question then is, if you post an image of that online, are you posting a diagram to construct a con- like, where's the line? Well, the government, uh, I think it was like eight women, four men said, yep, you did it. You're going to jail. Crazy. That's actually a huge, huge problem. You can't sell a piece of metal with lines drawn on it? That's so weird. I'm concerned with creating a black market of information. Let's Mm. just never forget that the director of the ETF was like, I'm not a firearms expert. Or like, this is what they do with 3D guns. That's what he testified this week. Like, remember when the 3D gun blueprints went around online? And it was like literally (laughs) just a a blueprint, a piece of paper. And they were like, no, you can't. You can't let that circulate. The market's still huge. It's just the media is not talking about totally. it Totally. And so because and it, the 3D exact... printers are better now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's what Ian said. It creates a black market of information. It doesn't mean that people who want to use it aren't going to be able to find it. It means that law-abiding people yeah. are going to stay away from and it. And it's a law you can't enforce, which makes a mockery of the system that yeah. makes the law. All right. Brandon Allen says, so much long blonde hair on Timcast tonight. I like it, especially Ian. You should see Tim take the beanie off. <laughs> then it gets... It's like He's a, like a mermaid. You guys it's ever watch Adventure Time? <laughs> When Finn, yeah, yep. he wear, yeah, he takes it off and big golden blonde hair comes up. Let's see what we got here. Um, SA Federale says, if Milo is actually there, ask him if he's ever been to Transnistria. 
to see his creepy Daily Stormer friends, and it's really just about the age of consent. Oh, yikes. Uh, Milo was supposed to be here, um, but he couldn't come. That, I don't know why. So uh, we had him booked, but um, I don't know. He, I, 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 his second information, he had something with his eye where it was like... I was going to tell him I was going to call myself My, Ian Milanopoulos. Yeah, that's what it was. Ian his hair is not as long and blonde, though, so I feel like this was better, yes? This was definitely better. Grafty says you, that UFO needs to be peckable at some point. What do you mean? Like we should put a UFO in the chicken coop? It'll just pop off. That'd be so funny. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. David Toronto says, not everyone is deserving of love, Ian. Hmm, that's an interesting question. Do you think everyone's deserving of love? I think the answer is actually yes. Oh, of course, yes. I think yes. Even, even like, it's tough because I know there's some really depraved and evil people out there, but I would refer to God's love. Yeah. You know, maybe not humanly, but something beyond, you know. Self-love, you know. Yeah, self-love, compassion. I don't think everyone's deserving of trust, and I think people mix up love and trust, right? Like, you can love someone and know better than to trust. You You can also love someone and send them to prison. Mm -hmm. Loving someone means that you, like, respect their dignity. Like, human-to-human love, I mean. means that you, like, respect their dignity and their rights. It doesn't mean that you let them get away with stuff or like them. Like, like and love are very different things. Mm -hmm. But I I look at it this way. Let's say someone uh, is an evil murderer. He targeted children, killed, killed kids. I can certainly understand human saying i will not give love to you but would you think that that person is still deserving of god's love yeah i mean yeah. the the example the if someone's yes. on if someone's on death row like people pray for death row inmates all the time that is love praying for them it doesn't mean that they should be let out it doesn't mean that they shouldn't suffer the consequences of their action like but that is love i think that's very different than being like friends with someone or even liking someone like you can show someone love god's love cuz like in the whole christian worldview right like none of us are deserving of god's love and he loves us anyway and that doesn't mean that we aren't bound to follow like rules and consequences but that kind of like we order our society after but yeah i think people are all people are deserving of love right on all right let's see what we got trash panda says stand your ground don't buy bud unless they apologize but if they mean to enter the culture war let it begin here Ooh. i i i will take an apology that if that statement they put out if they included at the beginning, we are sorry for the sponsorship of Dylan Mulvaney. I'd say, okay, yeah. you got, I, I'll buy some bud right now. I love Dylan. I love that he's culture jamming and pissing people off. I love it. He is. He's a master. If it guy. wasn't targeting children, I might agree. Oh, with you. I can't stand. No, that should be condemned every every step of the way. I I I like culture jamming. I'm, I like people who you know, as I say, figuratively throw a pie. I think Elon Musk is a master of it. Mm-hmm. But you got to leave the kids out of it, man. Mm-hmm. Like, let kids be kids. Let them grow up. Let them learn. It's tough because kids are watching this right now. So you just got to be judicious. And I don't think it's a big conversation. It's tough when you're alone and you have 100 million followers when it's just you and you can't relate to anyone. Let's uh, let's read some more. What do we got? Uh, Scott Smith says, Tim and crew, don't be surprised if the next moving goalpost techopoly policy, no dissenting advertisers. Here's some monopoly monies towards free domestand. Thank you, sir. Do you mean no uh, dissing? Advertisers, no, um, no descending advertisers. Sounds like you're saying you can't advertise that you're upset with YouTube. 
Whereas I think you mean no insulting or uh, dissing advertisers. No insulting advertisers. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I loved it when Michael Bloomberg sponsored my channel. <laughs> yeah, he was dumping so much money into YouTube. He, this was a twenty. This is the twenty twenty cycle. He was That's in the amazing. primary in twenty nineteen or whatever, oh. and uh, and early twenty twenty. And people was it twenty twenty? I think I don't know when when when. Yeah, was he it? he ran in twenty twenty. Yeah, and people were like. Tim, I'm seeing a whole bunch of Bloomberg ads on your videos and I don't like him. And I'm like, I'll take his money. I don't care. Dude, there's like, Bud Light videos, Bud Light ads all over your videos like right away. Uh, yep. Where are the RFK Jr. ads? That's all I mm. want to know. We got to start sharing his stuff. <laughs> oh RFK Jr. V. Vivek Ramaswamy. Or right. Ramaswamy as Donald Trump will call him. d 99 says, Tim needs to watch the anime Dr. Stone. Humanity gets fossilized for 3,000 years and rebuilds from scratch with modern day knowledge. Speechless. I've seen it. I've recommended it. It's really cool. Um, it's this really smart dude. Humanity gets fossilized. Some people don't. Thousands of years later, everyone's kind of like tribal level intelligence. But this one dude is super smart. And correct me if I'm wrong, because I haven't seen enough of it. But he basically, I don't know why they got fossilized. Maybe that's been revealed and you guys know. They like turned to stone. But he was so smart. He like did something that as soon as he turned to stone, it triggered the events by which it would defossilize him because he's a genius. Anyway, the, the story is he's like, okay, we're going to make a cell phone. Here's what we got to do. And then they talk about all the things you have to get in order to make a cell phone. He like makes vacuum tubes and glass. And it's, it's really cool. It's like a science show for kids, but it's how, how would you make something if you were in the middle of the woods, you know? What's that movie where they are like frozen for a hundred years and then everyone's really stupid and they wake up? Idiocracy. Idiocracy. I feel like there's a a similar correlation between these storylines. Would you put yourself in cryostasis, Liz? To wake up in a thousand years? No. I'm not, yeah, li- you, I'm not you, living for this life. I'm living with my eyes on eternity, or at least that's what I try to do. Yeah, and pe- people need to realize this too. If would you, you, if yeah, would you do it? No, I got too much to do now. Maybe so, if I was older. Here's what would happen. Imagine if someone from the year 1800 appeared right now in this time. They would not know how to communicate. They wouldn't know how to move from place to place. They'd be going around asking for a horse and people would be like, we don't have any. It's like, well, how am I supposed to get around? Cars. <laughs> what is that and how does it work? I have no idea. How do I learn about what's going on in the world? The internet. I, do you have a newspaper? No, we don't. So if you went uh, 100, 200, 300 years in the future, you'd be like, I need to get online and figure out what's going on. And, the, and there'd be some kid going, online? What if they took you to an underground bunker and there was all these dudes and they're like, we are from the future and we need to put you in cryostasis because we need you in a thousand years. Would you do it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, dude. They, if, if, it, it'd be really hard to convince me that was reality. So probably not. I'd be like, I don't know you. We know you're going to say this. I don't trust you. That's why we have this. And you'll be like, what is it? Whatever it was. More. I just, I don't think there's any way to actually convince someone that something is that fantastical is real. They told us he was going to say that. That's what the history books say. He said he was going to say. And they wouldn't be able to do anything about it. All right, let's read some more. Killian Chapman says, my favorite beer was Modelo before this stunt. I will admit that I didn't realize that Modelo was AB product, but after I figured it out, I haven't had it since. Uh, well, I think it's that Anheuser-Busch owns like half of it or something like that. I'm not entirely sure, but I think Modelo is is partially owned. Whereas like Anheuser-Busch has products they literally own. And I, you want to look, look it up real, yeah, real quick? Up I'm pretty sure it's half owned. I think that's the issue. All right. Cody Schofield says, I would exclusively buy Bud Light if they gave out an apology commercial frame by frame, just like the BP South Park commercial. Oh, hands down. If they apologize, like a good, strong apology, like Dylan Mulvaney, we believe is like over the top and it was wrong of us to do this. We're sorry. We think kids should be kids. We shouldn't have like, and they really hammer it on. I would, this house would be an Anheuser-Busch 
house. We, like, we would we would buy all their beers for all of our guests and be like, they did right by us. If they simply apologize, I will buy some beers. It yeah. looks like Modelo is owned by InBev. So 100 or half? Uh, that says what it's, it it's the parent company. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. I'm worse than I thought. That's the company that owns Budweiser. All right. I'm what do we got? I'm surprised they didn't like have Dill Mulvaney sponsor their seltzer, right? Like right. something that made more sense. Something yeah. that almost made sense. I'm not sure I would be okay with it because, again, the of the audience's age. But like still, why did you sacrifice your such names? such a nutty thing <laughs> like, to I watch. I just don't understand how this conversation went down. Mark Giadetti uh, says, Tim, team up with Jeremy, Sydney, Liz, and other creators and take legal action against YouTube about taking down the videos. We viewers will pay the legal costs. It's not about winning the case. It's about publicity. I don't I, I don't know if I agree with that statement, actually. I think, actually, there's an argument to be made for winning the case. Um, we do not break the rules that YouTube has, has. We have a contract with YouTube. YouTube has come to us. We have come to them. And we've agreed, if I provide X, they will provide Y. We make content that appears on YouTube. YouTube sells ads against that content. It's a mutual partnership contract like any other business contract. YouTube told us, however, if you do these things, then we will take action against you and negatively impact your your work relationship with us. YouTube sent uh, a notice to Jeremy and Sydney saying, we think this violates our policy, so we're taking it down. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. If I have a contract with you that says you will deliver me oak and not birch, and then you come to me and say, you know what? I think that might be Birch, so I'm not paying you. You can't do that. You have a contract. You will get sued. So there is a strong argument to be made that YouTube must either act 100% in alignment with what their policies are or not at all. That is to say, YouTube must definitively come out and say outright, yes, this did breach the contract. Here's why. And the reason why I think they don't do that, we saw it with um, Alex Berenson. When he sued Twitter, they told him, here are the parameters by which you will be banned. And then when he got banned outside of those parameters, they were in breach of contract. He won. If they come to us and say, overtly, you did breach the contract, I can then argue, prove it in court because we have a contractual agreement to make money for each other and you are in breach of contract now. And then they'll have to justify it. They'll say, yes, we can prove it. The answer is they can't prove that we did anything wrong. We didn't. We were talking about what someone else said. We did not break those rules, but they need to remove the content because Budweiser's mad. I think they're in a dangerous territory where they're opening themselves up to litigation. It would be really interesting to enter a suit in that capacity because there may be a temporary injunction, injunction on removal of content in that period. Meaning if Jeremy Hambly files a lawsuit against YouTube saying that this is a breach of contract, a judge may say until the resolution of this case, you are, you are, you are blocked from further removing content from Jeremy Hambly. That could be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Until the that, resolution of the case. That'd be super interesting because that's what our notice said. It said you may be in in violation and they they intentionally want to be vague. They, I just think, like they're intentionally vague with their standards. Like I do the same thing. I don't I'm not trying to be bombastic. I'm not trying to to violate their terms of service. I understand. I don't agree with the terms that they set. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to go in there and violate them because I don't agree. Like I know but, what their terms are. I try to work around it. But, but it's not even that. It's like when talking about these issues in particular, the spirit of the rule, the intent of the rule is they don't want someone coming on and being extremely in, like insightful to call someone a derogatory slur or, or, or deride them intentionally to cause pain. No, they would prefer that they're insightful. In, right. In the correct way. Seeing. And so but the, the, the way I refer to it is be academic. Right. 
When we make an argument about gender ideology, it's not because we hate anybody. It's because we love them. When there are kids who are suffering from something, we want to help them in the proper way. So when you look at what happened in Europe, they abandoned the child sex change surgery and and puberty blockers because it was hurting them. So out of a place of love, we are saying we need to stop hurting these kids. We've seen the evidence out of Europe. They shut down Tavistock. The Scandinavian countries have abandoned this. It clearly is causing more harm than good for the sake of the betterment of these children and for these individuals. We want them to get better treatment. If YouTube strikes you for that, now they're in breach of contract, hands down, hands down. So I think any time someone gets a strike, they need to file a lawsuit immediately. File a lawsuit and just say, look, we have a contract. You've breached it. If the court agrees that we are wrong, we accept those. It's up to a judge to decide. But imagine a world. We're in this world right now where when you sign up for YouTube, it's a mutual contract. YouTube needs our content in order to sell ads. We need their ads to generate revenue. We need their platform to host our content. It's, it's a mutual agreement. For YouTube to just say, we're going to breach your contact contract outright good luck, that's not how the, the, the business world works. You can't do that. We'll I haven't see. read the entire terms. Do they have a clause where it says they can ban anyone at any time for no reason? Yes, but I, I, I don't believe that actually is uh, will fly. It just seems so illegitimate. The reason Even if is, it's in writing, it seems ridiculous. So that was the issue with Alex Berenson, I think. It was because they said, here's what constitutes a violation of our rules. At that point, it sort of, I could be wrong, but I believe that nullifies that we can do whatever we want whenever we want. Because there's an expectation among the individual that the working agreement does not mean you will arbitrarily ban someone. It means you will only be banned for a reason. And then they have to specify what that reason is. One of the reasons Twitter would often say you're banned for blank was because they knew if they gave a reason, they could be challenged in court more easily. I don't think not giving a reason is going to fly. I think we saw Alex Berenson won. He got reinstated because of it. I mean, isn't that why they use these terms like hate speech and harassment? Because they can just they can just define that on the fly as anything they want. So they mm-hmm. can actually target people based on their opinions and their ideology or their dissent from the prevailing radical leftist ideology. And they can just say, oh, we've decided that this is harassment because it hurts somebody's feelings. We've decided that this is hateful because we think your views on sex or gender are not what we think they should be. So we think it's we think it's targeted at someone individually. But I, intentionally vague. But I got one for you. Uh, if the videos where we highlight what Matt Walsh says constitutes a violation because we played what Matt Walsh says, if a video of Donald Trump making a statement constitutes a violation because a news outlet, I think this happened to The Hill, arising, they showed a clip of Donald Trump talking who talked about the election 2020. So they took the clip down. That's really interesting because David Pakman had Mike Lindell on his channel. And Mike Lindell said all of the exact same things, and there was no enforcement action proving YouTube is breaching its contract with the Hill Rising for this removal by allowing some people to display that same content and others not to. So it's time to start filing those lawsuits to to be like, look, I don't hate YouTube. I want YouTube to be better. But YouTube, if we have an agreement and you breach that, I'm sorry, that's not legal. That's a, a civil tort violation, and, and it, it needs to be adjudicated. It's, it's, it's not going to be, be solved until people actually file the paperwork. And if it turns out legally we're in the wrong, oh, well, then so be it. But you have to file in a court and have a judge decide. We'll see what happens. All right. What do we got? Let's grab some more super chats. <clears throat> Garhant says, please, Tim, send Ian to summer Bible camp. This is the last <laughs> super chat you will ever get from me. Look me up. in a, uh, I'm a whale. 
I'm atheist, but Ian's ignorance on faith is so cringe. It's so jerkish. You need a button to tell tell him to cork insulting people. You know, perhaps a little heart, harsh, Garhant, but I, I do think, Ian, you often have a, a, a bit of invective in your speech when you're talking about religion. Tell me more about that. Well, I think when you bring it up, you, you bring things up in a way that seem to be intentionally insulting to Christians. Hmm. Instead of being academic and asking them, you say outright, you're worshiping a false idol. Jesus is not God. Instead well, of saying... I never flipped over one of Joel Osteen's tables. Sure. But I'm saying like... That's what Jesus did. He went into the, the church where they were selling things and he flipped a table over because he was like, this is not about money. This is about God. Maybe the appropriate way is to say, okay, I'm not a Christian, but you're Catholic. How do you explain to me the difference between worshiping the human of Jesus and God? Because I don't understand, right? That would be a more respectful way to, to, to approach the subject in which you're not familiar, as opposed to saying, no, you're wrong. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that example specifically no, was the most I think most you're right. It probably like the humility of me just becoming a student of religion would be way more effective. I, I, think I wasn't having... insulted by you. Yeah, I, I, I mean, if you want my perfectly honest analysis, I thought you didn't know much about what about the Ten Commandments or much about Christianity. So it was like the absence of information that you were making a a um a conclude drawing a conclusion that was just kind of wildly incorrect. But I didn't I didn't feel animosity. And that I, I just felt like a little ignorance about the topic. I think we're having Kirk Cameron on at some point. Okay. I could be it could be Ooh. totally wrong about that. And I don't want to say that because like he's such a <laughs> he's such a big famous guy and I'm kinda like maybe I shouldn't say that unless I know for sure. But I'm really ex I'm hoping that's the case. Like I don't Good. know. That'd Teach be interesting. I normally don't like to mention guests, but I think he would be he he would be one of the best. But let me just double check. And um, is he bringing Candace Cameron? <laughs> That's what I was wondering. I just yeah. want to know. Let's do it. Part of being ignorant is like if you're in a conversation with someone and you're mm -hmm. ignorant and you're humble about it, yeah. it never really bothers the other person because yeah. they can tell. And it's like let's just talk about it and we'll yeah. we'll learn together. But when people are listening and they can't respond, it's not. Then they'll be like, God, that ignorant guy. I'm not able to. Say that, yeah. just listen, and I can't because he's on TV. and I, So I understand the frustration from people on the other side of the screen. I actually think it's one of the nicest things that we have totally lost in our culture to be able to sit down and be like, well, listen, our worldview is pretty different, right? Like me being a, mm -hmm. a Catholic Christian, you not. Um, that changes the way that we view almost every situation from each other. But to be able to actually sit down and have a conversation, that's what's been completely lost in our culture, not just religiously, but politically, where like, you know, I'm going to James Madison University instead of the people, you know, who disagree with yeah, me coming and wrong. saying Sorry. like... <laughs> he is not... I don't know why I thought you may that. Have manifested Cameron, his, can you hear us? Arrival. We need you to come on the show yeah, now. Now, maybe, now maybe he will. <laughs> Bring your sister. I want well, to talk to her about the Hallmark Channel. I'll just, I'll just say this right now. I, yeah. thought, I thought we may have book, booked him, but... I know, like Kirk is probably like someone's heading up. Are you going on Tim's show? He's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> but hold just, on. Uh, finish your thought though about George. Just, 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 just to wrap that up. He's not on the schedule. I wish he was on the schedule. Kirk Cameron, we desperately need you to come so that you, me and Ian can sit down and you can explain things to Ian. Beautiful. Then, uh, Let's do a culture war podcast in the day. Yes. And then if you want to stick around, we'll come on the show on Friday night and talk. We should, we should, we should bring your sister because got stuff to talk about with her <laughs> And too. bring your sister. Candace, I love you. Full House anyway, is one of the best continue. shows of all time because oh, of my you. Oh yeah, she's a, she's a delight. Um, no, my thought was just so I, I'm totally throwing you off by your random calls. No, I'm just doing like a hard a hard transition there. Um, I appreciate having conversations. I think like listen, like I said, I'm going to this college campus, and instead of people coming and saying like coming up to the microphone, there's a literal open mic at this event. It's a public event, open to anyone. Instead of coming up and being like Liz, you say X Y Z, and I think you're wrong because of A B C, and like trying to destroy my argument, like come and try to destroy my argument. Like we should be having these debates. 
But we've gotten to a point in our culture where they say that my opinion is violence, that it's harming Mm -hmm. them and that they're unwilling to even engage. Like, I think this is the most fun thing ever to be able to sit here and be like, yeah, we mutually respect each other. We're having conversation about very different worldviews. Let's understand. Let's argue. Let's even tell each other, like, no, you're totally wrong. And here's why. And still no animosity. Like, that's actually what makes a a civilization because everyone's not going to be of one mind on every issue. But talking about it is like... Great. I got, I got a good one. Milo Hoffman says, you are arguing about the wrong thing. Public schools should not exist. <laughs> Government has no more business running our schools than they do running our churches. We need separation of school and state. Agreed. Yeah, I'm not against <laughs> Just, that. Sure. But in the reality that they do currently exist, how do, what right, do we do right, with right. them? I do like yeah. the, your- I agree, though, by the way. I know that this is like even beyond what base conservatism is. I said this to my I said this to my mm. producer the other day. I was like, um, pretty soon I'm going to come out and say we shouldn't even have public schools and all the conservatives are going to try to distance themselves from me. And five years from now, they're going to be like, oh, that girl was right. Um, because, I mean, what are they doing? They're just they're just indoctrination centers, but indoctrinating bad stuff. So uh, Lothair Mordred Shirk Media says, Tim, I loved your content, but I view Marxism and Christianity Christianity as hypocritical and very destructive. I think Marxism is. I actually think my, my view of Christian. I'm not a Christian. And uh, my view of Christianity, Christianity is. Let me just I'll, I'll tell you the same old story. I've told a million times. Sodom and Gomorrah. If there's but one righteous person. Right. That is the root of the presumption of innocence. So my view of Christianity is that we have our founding fathers in this country crafted a set of morals and guidelines rooted in Christian Christian morals and ethics that we all basically agree are really, really good. I think you got to watch out for charlatans. You got to watch out for people who are like, I'm a good Christian. And they're actually like evil narcissists who are trying to accumulate power. But Marxism is just inherently bad. And the radical theories, critical theory, critical gender theory, they're all really, really bad, divisive. They, they breed hate and animosity. And the moral framework of, uh, of Christianity is actually something most people would agree on, even Bill Maher. He, doesn't, he, he may not know. I'd love to have the conversation with him. But like I mentioned, the presumption of innocence literally came from the Bible. Blackstone was inspired by this, Blackstone's formulation. Ben Franklin said it later. You don't have to believe in all the tenets of Christianity to recognize the moral framework there has benefited us greatly and created individ, uh, individual rights, uh, the pursuit of happiness, the the self-governance. I mean, tremendously amazing things. So that's it's natural opinion. law. What you're talking about is natural law. Like when I said Edmund Burke's philosophy underpinned our Constitution, our Constitution was built on 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 British law, right? Like on on English common law, which was rooted in natural law. Yeah, I think we have to get back to that. It's what uh, Prager called cut flower. I think he called it cut flower uh, politics or ideology. I always get it wrong, but he basically described you have this beautiful flower and you snip it from its roots and hold it and show off how beautiful it is. And then in a few days, it's dead because you've cut it from its roots. And our yeah. roots come from this uh, Judeo-Christian moral framework that um, I think are beneficial. I don't think that mindless collectivism is a good thing. I think you can find that anywhere. I think you can find good churches and bad churches. I think you can find charlatans in Christianity who pretend to be good, moral, pious individuals when they're actually just trying to steal from you. And then I think people often will look at the worst and assume that of all people. So I don't like to do that. I like to judge people as an individual. Someone who is Christian that doesn't inherently instantly mean I think they're a good person. And I would love to have you on the show, Joel Osteen. I mentioned flipping a table over and using which church is a reference for money, to uh, what Jesus did yeah. in the temple. So like, I know you have a multi-million dollar giant mega church where you make, I don't know how many hundreds of millions of dollars per year, but I still want to talk to you about God. 
Well, right on. Uh, I think it would be cool. We should definitely try and reach out to Kirk Cameron's people and do a Culture War podcast discussion, maybe even Seamus. So uh, I will wrap there. If you haven't already, would you kindly smash that like button, subscribe to the channel, share the show, become a member at TimCast.com. You can follow the show at TimCast IRL. You can follow me personally at TimCast. Uh, Liz, do you want to shout anything out? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. You guys have been great. You guys, if, if you're in the area, the event at James Madison University on Wednesday, the 26th, is at 6 p.m. You can go to LizWheeler.com to get your tickets, support. If you can't be there in person, uh, watch. But subscribe to my show if you would, too, at LizWheeler.com or wherever you listen to your podcast. Thanks so much for having me. This has been great. Yeah, it's been cool to have you on. I'm Hannah Claire Bremlow. I'm a writer for TimCast.com. You should go to TimCast.com, click on the Read tab. You can see all the work from me, from Chris Bertman, from all of our awesome journalists. Uh, if you want to follow along with the news on social media, you should follow at TimCastNews on Twitter and Instagram. It's excellent. If you want to follow me personally, you can find me on Instagram at HannahClaire.B and Twitter at HCBrimlow. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. Uh, you can follow me at iancrossland.net. At Ian Crossland, anywhere on social media, I'll be uh, takehumanactiontour.com. Takehumanactiontour.com. I'll be there April 29th. That's next Saturday in Austin. So I hope to see you there. Liz, thank you for talking about neutrality. This is going to be, has me thinking deeply because I, I all, I've been stuck in this oscillating evil good mind, but I think you might be right that you can oscillate above. So thank you. Thank you. I'll think, be thinking a lot about that. Uh, yeah, this later. was great. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. And you, for people want to follow you on Twitter. It's Liz underscore Wheeler. It is. It is Liz underscore Wheeler. All Kellen. right. Uh, hey, I'm Kellen. I do post production for Timcast and fill in for Surge on Fridays. Follow me at Kellen PDL. And this was a good one. I always like when the religion stuff comes up. So. Yeah, I have fun. All right, everybody. Thanks for hanging out. We'll have clips throughout the weekend, and then we'll see you all on Monday. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.